Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geeks Out Collecting podcast, where we talk about anything and everything hobby collecting and hobby investing. We've got Pokemon, comic books, sports cards, Magic the Gathering, you name it. Before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to share with you really quickly how you can support this podcast if you love the content and get value out of it. Please consider signing up for the Geeked Out Collecting Podcast Patreon, where we have a few different tiers you can sign up for depending on how much you're able or willing to give each month. Your Patreon account will cover expenses associated with maintaining the podcast while also allowing me to bring on sound or audio engineers that will help me produce episodes to as high of a quality as I can. Also, don't forget there are very cool benefits, so please go in, check out the Patreon page, and see what you might be interested in. This will ultimately allow me to create even more content for you to enjoy, so take a look. I have a link in the show notes. Regardless if you sign up or not, I just appreciate you being here. and and what you do um so if you can let everybody know sure yeah um we uh i mean me and dan became business partners about four years ago um we had both owned thrift stores and and dan had been a manager of a sports card store for a long time um and then we just kind of it progressed uh into coins and jewelry and, and sports cards and trading cards and then we uh we eventually stumbled across Proxbid and became licensed auctioneers so we could sell them there and it's been kind of history ever since so you know i mean uh, for people that aren't familiar you uh Proxbid's a, a platform like ebay but it's for auctioneers only um where we have events as opposed to individual items selling so we'll have 1200 items ending on a sunday everything shipped together bundled together and it, it kind of has more of an event feel kind of more like a pwcc type event as opposed to just listings ending every day. Yeah, um, I noticed that you guys had a crap ton of listings. And so I was just kind of curious because it seemed like you guys have a physical location and then you also do the proxy bidding too? Yeah, we have a retail space uh, here in Lakewood, Washington. Uh, We actually opened up as a coin and jewelry store. Um, This kind of all started because uh, Travis and I were kind of, you know, going our own ways in life and uh, we stumbled upon a coin collection and we purchased it and we we're looking for an auctioneer to take it on as consignment um, and we couldn't find an auctioneer and with coins it's, it's margins are very very small um, so with we were looking for an auctioneer to kind of take this on at a lower consignment rate and no one would do it and despite the fact that it's almost no work um, for, to put this stuff onto proxy bed um, so we just said, well, if no one else will do it. We'll just, we'll just open our own auction company and we'll do it ourselves and do it the way we wanted, which is with lower consignment rates on coins and just lower consignment rates in general. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's really awesome. Um, what's the, so what's the normal going rate for consignment? Is it around eight, 10%? Are we talking more? 
No, so for auctioneers, um, they typically, I would say the average across the nation, and, and you're talking, you know, people that do $10 items all the way up to thousands of dollar items, but the standard rate they charge is, is as high as 35% plus a buyer's premium mm. that they make, you know, some platforms, like on our platform, we don't make all the buyer's premium. Proxibid, the credit card company, taxes, those all play into our our buyer's premium, but like a, a host like maybe heritage that buyer's premium you see they make all of that plus whatever percentage they charge um, most of these larger companies advertise a much lower percentage you know if they're selling you know 10 dollars items yes they're doing eight percent ten percent plus the buyer's premium um, and that's where we've we've always been willing to work with people um, especially businesses um, whatever percentage we need to make the the item work for both of us is kind of what we do. Our advertised rate is 15% typically for businesses and 25% for just, you know, guy off the street. If it's a collection, we have to go through process, do all the work. Um, but we've, we've, I mean, I have just hundreds of references of people that we've worked with because it just didn't make sense. You know, I'm selling one gold coin for you. You know, it sells for, you know, $1,500 or $2,000. I'm going to take 0% of the item. You're going to get the full hammer price. I'll just take my cut of the buyer's premium. Everybody's happy. So I think, I think, you know, being a smaller auction company, we've had that luxury of being able to work with people. Whereas, you know, a larger auction company and we work with some of them, it's kind of flat. No, we won't work with you. It doesn't matter if it's a $80,000 item. Mm. So. Gotcha. And, and so uh, when did you start using proxy bid for all of your auctions? Was this a few years ago then you've been doing this for a while? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, we've been on, on Proxybit, I think, since July of 2017. Um, so about three, three and a half years or so. I might, it might be July of 2018. Everything kind of runs together at this point. <laughs> um, but we've been on there two and a half to three and a half years. Um, and we started off. So we, we initially started off. We're, we're the number one volume seller on Proxybit. Oh, um, wow. We've, we've overtaken companies that have been on there for 20 years. Uh, and, and the way we did it originally was we had auctions seven days a week and it was crazy, the crazy, the amount of stuff we were selling. Um, we've kind of pared it down now where we do the once a week, uh, collectibles auction. We used to do a little bit of everything and we're down or we're, we're really focused in on collectibles and jewelry and the stuff that we really enjoy. Cause like that to me is like, you know, it's, it's great to sell uh, a chop saw for $300, um, but you know, I'd rather sell things I enjoy, and and you know, I, I enjoy all the cards and the coins and the jewelry and um, the other miscellaneous collectibles we sell. You know, we've done poker chip collections and all kinds of interesting things. So hmm. that's definitely really fun. And I'm guessing that you know, since you guys do you do you only do consignment with local sellers, local local folks, or local businesses? No, I mean, I, I would say predominantly we have locals as our main thing. Um, the real, if we're going to have non-local stuff shipped to us, it's a very specific thing that we know we're not going to have to pass on and ship back. So your graded coins, your graded cards, your raw coin collections that are silver or gold. Um, at the end of the day, we, you know, people have sent me consignments that we had to reject and we always just, we pay the shipping. I'm not going to, you know, somebody's already disappointed enough. So I'm happy to ship it back to them, but I typically don't want the situation where somebody thinks their collection's worth a lot of money and it's not, and, and I have to bear that bad news. 
Um, so I'd say we mostly deal with locals, but um, we certainly get plenty of, you know, I had a, a, a good business partner we work with down in uh, Phoenix just ship us a bunch of CGC graded Pokemon cards, you know, hundreds and hundreds of them. So we're certainly open to working with people all over the country. Mm, that that is really really awesome and and as far as um you know with using proxy bids what make what made you go with proxy bids over ebay um, I think well we actually we, we actually sell on both um oh. proxy bid and ebay um we on ebay we, we typically do auctions um and mostly it's graded pokemon cards right now um, we also do graded sports cards so but good. obviously we're we're riding the pokemon boom for sure um but we for us it was all about you know we wanted to be able to provide a discounted rate so if, if we sold somebody else's item on ebay for them we would have to charge that 35 percent because of all the fees that ebay takes yeah you know with proxy bid we're able to kind of control the the fees a little bit because of the buyer's premium and i and you know i understand that the purchaser the end purchaser is paying you know the regular amount plus the buyer's premium but the consigner is we're still getting a, a, a significant portion of what an eBay sale would be that the consigner is ending up with almost the same amount of money. And sometimes even more because, you know, a lot of items on our auction, you know, people are really excited about the kind of the smaller auction that they pay more sometimes once you include that buyer's premium, than it goes for on eBay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I thought those auctions were really fun to look at, um, which is why I went ahead and decided I wanted to buy some because I'm like, I've never done this before. This is really cool. Um, yeah, that Internet fee, that's the that's the buyer fee then, because at first I was like, oh, wait, hold up. Time out. What is, what is going on here? What is this? I'm so used to eBay and their auctions, but it was a really good it was a really good learning experience. And you guys had a crap, a crap ton of stuff. I was just kind of floored with with the volume. Um which I think is great. It seems like obviously consignment has been really good for you guys and it doesn't seem to have slowed down even amidst all of the, you know, COVID-19 and that impacting so many businesses. So it seems like to me, you know, even though you do have a physical location, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you guys will sell just as much, probably in proxy bids. Uh, the, the interesting thing about the consignment is we, when COVID started, we couldn't even take on as much as what the demand to, to consign stuff. The, the, every dealer we know basically said, Oh shoot, there's no shows. How am I going to move all this stuff? And so it, it, it quickly became us hiring on staff for the summer for this project or this project. Um, and, and really what we did was, is what we said is we told all kind of our normal customers. We said, look, Times are tough right now for businesses. We're going to only take from businesses during this COVID time too, because they're the ones that, you know, this is life or death for them. You know, it's not just their personal collection. Um, we've kind of weaned off of that. We've started getting back into accepting regular consignments, but it, it was overwhelming. And that's not to mention that, you know, we have, I have, we have stacks of graded cards here of our own that need to get put on there. You know, I mean, we, we've been grading like mad men as well. So we uh, trying to keep everybody happy. Um, for us, the most important thing is, is keeping the people happy that rely on us um, and, you know, that this is their paycheck. Um, so that I think we pretty consistently did that. We tried to siphon out the people that were trying to sell just kind of the lower tier stuff to help their income as opposed to it being their main source of income and trying to keep everybody, you know, because somebody that sold on our site, you know, before COVID maybe didn't have a chance to apply for unemployment during this time. So 
just trying to take care of those guys and keep it going for them. Hmm. That, that is really, really awesome. Um, I really appreciate you guys doing that just because, you know, it's just helping people out. Like we're all just people, we're all just, you know, trying to help each other out. So, I mean, I think that's really awesome. And the fact that you had to turn people away because demand was so crazy, you know, for you guys that, you know, that's just always a really, really great thing to see that, you know, in spite of everything, you would think that, um, you know, there would be problems, but, uh, turns out for you guys, you've been able to to really boom, I guess, essentially, since you guys are bringing on people in the summer. I mean, I think that's great. And, um, you know, I guess as far as collectible goes, because you guys just said that you have some stacks of some slabs, like, I want to know, I want to know, what do you guys have? Like, like, obviously you guys like sports cards and Pokemon, but, you know, tell me about your collectibles, like your personal collections. Uh, well, so... When I used to work at, I used to work at one of the bigger baseball card stores in our area, and I always had to, the kind of a personal thing where I didn't collect while I was working there, and a lot of that was just because I didn't feel like the advantages I had should be kind of abused for my own personal collection. So I always kind of treated the store stuff as my collection. Um, for me, it's all about just like getting the really cool stuff to pass through my hands and to find the guy who really wants it. Um, so you know, for me, like. For example, you know, we, we've had some pretty crazy stuff, especially since June. We've we've probably owned 20 first edition Shadowless Charizards oh in, in, since June. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> it, it's it's like I said, it's been pretty crazy. Um, but we, you know, we just to us, it's just it's all about for us. It's about the hunt. You know, we really like going out there and finding the stuff. We, you know, I send Travis all across the country driving around uh trying to find really unique and, and interesting collectibles we're like the the little version of american pickers that just looks for pokemon cards right now um hey if that know, if for, that was a show i'd watch it <laughs> you know it, it would be a pretty awesome show uh, like for example a couple about a, i guess it's about a month ago now um one of our customers Ooh. actually said said they said we found this collection we can't afford it are you guys interested and so we went and looked at this collection and then we we purchased it for uh, a significant amount of money but we were able to give our customer who gave us that lead we gave him a ten thousand dollar finder's fee um, just to show us that collection so we we've all we're all about sharing this and, and making sure everyone's taken care of um through all this but yeah we we have some pretty cool stuff that's gone through here um you know, for, for us, I guess, obviously, the focus lately has been Pokemon. Um, but we've had some cool sports stuff and magic stuff, too. We had a beta BGS8 uh, Black Lotus come through. Um, so we've had some pretty awesome stuff. That's awesome. Uh, what would you say, I, I mean, I don't know much about the coin world, but with all the collectibles that you had, Pokemon, B, um, magic, uh, coins, jewelry, what's been the most expensive, valuable thing that you guys have um We've, uh, uh, well, if you if you add in that jungle box that sold for 1.2 million at PWCC last month, that if you count that, but obviously that's not getting paid for. We know that um, that was ours. Um, we had a, a factory sealed case of 2003-04 tops chrome basketball. I think what that sell for? Did seventy two thousand maybe? It, no, it sold for 90, 92, 92,000. Oh, sorry, ninety two thousand for that, and then um, a first edition Charizard nine um sold for 61,000 I think um a, a couple big ticket items we have another first edition nine Charizard uh we're hoping to get roughly that same amount for it we'll we'll see kind of what happens we you know with with our auction each month we try to 
grow our ceiling of value. So what we do is, you know, last month we were trying to do graded Pokemon cards that were $500 and less on our auction. This month it's all the way up to 1500 and less on our auction. So next month we expect that to grow again, but with those more expensive items, the, the $50,000, the $60,000 items, we have been using PWCC. But what happens is each month we grow our threshold a little higher till hopefully we get to the point where most, if not all collectibles we ran right on our auction for our customers. Um, it's just kind of a certain, uh, there's a cap to what our customers can spend each week. You know, we have three or 400 people bid. They only have so much income to spend on collectibles each week. So it's kind of growing that ceiling of what we're willing to put on there. That's um that's really really nice. Uh, did you guys go with PW uh, PWCC for those higher price items because of like maybe they have a bigger platform or just more buyers? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. One is they they have really reasonable consignment rates. Um, you know they you know eBay caps your fees at uh, two hundred fifty dollars at least they they used to cap your fees on a per item basis at two hundred fifty dollars. Um, PWCC charges for expensive items around 8%, um, which is really reasonable for, for stuff that's you know selling for $60,000. And what's nice about them is they're taking on a lot of the risk. Um, you know, when we give them that, that $60,000 Charizard, uh, we don't have to have it sitting in our location that only has $200,000 of business insurance. You know, we give it to them when they put it in their, you know, multi-million dollar vaults with all their insurances and all of that. Um, so it, it takes a lot of the, like the stress of holding those items. Cause you know, I, you know, uh, two weeks ago, I dropped a, a, a BGS graded first edition Charizard and I cracked the case. How dare you? Oh my God. I, it was only a three. It was only a three. Um, <laughs> uh, thank goodness. Um, but you know, those things happen. And so like, if I dropped the nine, who knows what kind of grade we get when we regrade it. Cause between a nine and an eight five, it drops by $15,000. It could have been a huge mistake. So getting that stuff out of our hands and getting it to PWCC has really just been a, a stress reliever for us. And they're with, they're only a two hour drive from us. So oh, we don't have nice. to mail it to them. We mm -hmm. drive it down, deliver in person. We've, we've built a really good relationship with those guys. We actually bought one of their vans. And so we use one of their vans to drive things back and forth. So um, that is pretty really awesome. Good. They've been really good for us. Yeah. Um, that's that's definitely really, really fun. I didn't realize how, how close you guys were. Do they have an actual like like front end store with all of the items? No, it's just no, fully it, like it, vault. It's like the bat cave. It, is, it, is it, it really is. There's 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 no signs. Um, if you want to drop stuff off, or if any listener wants to drop stuff off, please contact them first. It's not just a, a show up. You know, I think the first time we showed up there, they said, "Who are you guys? We're not letting you in." Basically, right. you know, at the, at the security gate. Yeah. So um, yeah. definitely, it's, it's like a it's like a CIA CIA black site. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's surrounded by trees and barbed wire and huge fences and like big security gates. But it's off in the middle of nowhere, too, so it's kind of crazy. There's well, a river and trains and everything surrounding it. I mean, they couldn't have picked a better spot. Yeah. And, I mean, from their perspective, it totally makes sense, considering the fact that, you're right, they are taking hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars worth of risk with all the product that they have. I don't even... I'm sure they are obviously, for security purposes, <laughs> trying to keep yeah. everyone guessing with what they have, but... I mean, I think that's that's another important thing that uh, when talking about selling with them, and 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 it kind of touches on what's big news lately in the Pokemon world is the sealed products. 
when you buy sealed product, it's not so much about even even reputable sellers and, and knowing the seller. It's can the person that's selling it to you back it up? And that's where it's important. When you buy from a Heritage or you buy from a PWCC, you better believe if you open that thing on camera, you know, and you do your due diligence and there's a problem, they're going to back it up. And so I think it's even people say, well, buy from a reputable seller. But that reputable seller, you know, there is guys that are super reputable in this community that it's going to be hard for them to pay you back three months down the road if you pay them 20, you know, if they reinvested that. So I, I think I'm not saying don't buy from those guys because those guys are great, too. But I'm saying I think of PWCC and I think of Heritage and I say there's no better place to to sell or buy a sealed product because those guys can back it up. You know, if they had to issue a twenty five thousand dollar refund. It's not going to be a problem to them. It's way more important to them to keep their name in good standing than it is that money. So I think that's one of the major, major reasons why we sell stuff through them is, is they're willing to back it all up. Additionally with us, I mean, we back everything up that we sell through them, trust me. Um, but I just like that feeling that, you know, people know what they're getting from them. Um, so I think with sealed product, it, it, you know, I, I sell my stuff through there, so I don't want to pump up PWCC too much on that. But um, I think it's the same thing with Heritage. Is I felt when they had that first edition box that Logan Paul bought, we were interested in buying it. We even had a couple bids thrown in. Um, it's it's one of those things where I felt like if it was not real, and we were thinking about it back then, you know, before all this, you know, that was the first thing is that you have to open this if you buy it. Um, I, I felt like they would back it up, and that's important. Yeah, I think I I am glad you bring that up because it definitely reminds me of the other recent time where someone bought a uh, apparently sealed box of, um, I can't remember if it was first edition or just, you know, just the unlimited base set. And I can't remember the investor's name, but he spent something like 300000 and bought it from someone and then they opened it up live and then it turned out to be a resealed box. And the people who sold it, you know, said that they didn't realize what it was. I mean, of course, I think at this point in time, they've kind of backed it up by providing him another box, which, you know, they need to do, but, like, you've got to check your shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, you, I, you've got to know what you're buying and selling people. You know, the, the weirdest thing about that whole thing is I'm not one of these people that sit here and hate, you know, the people involved. Some of those guys are very not liked in this community. Um but I'm not one of those people that I judge and, you know, I don't know what they're trying to portray versus who they are. You know I mean? I just really don't know. Maybe that's what they want to be perceived as because they're trying to make money, whatever it may be. I think the weirdest thing that came out of this is that it was a clearly faked box. It wasn't that it was resealed 20 years ago. It was clearly faked. And then the, there was no recourse. The FBI didn't get involved. And, and a $375,000 purchase. I don't know if any of the people you see in the video were involved at all. You know, honestly, it's, it's probably unlikely that any of them that you see in the video were involved in the scam side of it because it's so much risk because they knew they were opening it. But the fact that there's a guy out there that did fake it that's not being investigated on a, a, a $375,000 fake is, is alarming to me. You know, I mean, the FBI gets involved in, in card scandals all the time, you know, like trimming, recoloring, all that. That's something that they have a section of the FBI that gets involved and, and make sure everything, you know, people aren't being scammed. Um, so I'm going to kind of wait and see what happens with that. But I think 
you know, if I had kind of any say, I think there should be an investigation because we need to kind of weed out these people that are doing this. Um, and I, I heard similarly somewhere in uh, in Europe, there's another guy that's kind of been caught resealing stuff, more, you know, cheaper stuff, $20,000 boxes. Um, and I, it, it's not one of those things where it's like, oops, sorry, I'll give you your money back. I think there needs to be kind of some prosecution to set the standard of, hey, we're not going to do this. Yeah, I agree. I think there's definitely there definitely has to be some kind of recourse, um, you know, because I, I think one of the great things about the Pokemon community, at least the people that I've been like around, surrounded by, they do, for the most part, try to, you know, advocate for buyers who don't know what they're buying and then sellers who don't know what they're selling either. Sometimes they don't realize they have a fifteen hundred dollar card and are about to sell it to someone um for way super under the value when they don't when they don't know so um and then i mean it's it's been known all of the scams on ebay with like those magic listings they'll just kind of like blow an account up like have <laughs> like a booster box listed like with a quantity of 25 uh, you know and just just go in and bail and pull the money out and you've just you know burned an account i mean a lot of those things happen and so i you know, especially especially with you know, economically, everything that's going on, especially right now, we need to protect buyers and sellers from scammers because it happens both ways. I've seen people sell, you know, uh, key issues in comics and, and we're talking about like $2,500 and, and the, the seller, the buyer wanting to return it and they return a completely different comic, you know, stuff like that happens. And, and so I do hope that there, that, People know that there are consequences doing these things. These are crimes. <laughs> you are committing a crime. You are scamming people. That's not okay. So, um, and, and considering the fact that this hobby is absolutely going to get bigger, um, you know, the community can only do so much. So hopefully, hopefully the well, that's, FBI that's, can that, step in. For me, that's the one, one of the big things too, is this, you know, this is blowing up so much. There's a ton of money in it right now. There's plenty of money in it to make a lot of money doing it straight up. I mean, you don't have to do these scams. Like I, you know, I, I just don't understand. Like just sell the, if you had the box, just sell the box and make the legitimate money. But it's like, they want to double dip and, and open it. Cause you know, they might be true collectors slash people who want to make money. And so they're, they want to open it cause they're excited to open it. And then they're like, Oh crap, I opened this. Well, how can I get some of my money back? And then they, they you know, they get down a dark path and, you know, it's it's really sad for the whole industry because, you know, we we've sold we sold booster packs and um, had them opened and, and not be the right cars and we backed it up. You know, mm -hmm. we 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 took these from our consigner and, and and backed these up and made sure that everything was up on the up and up. And now we no longer accept we no longer accept booster packs or booster boxes. Um, we anything that you see that's a booster pack or booster box is stuff we've acquired, that thoroughly vetted, thoroughly vetted the person we bought it from, um, and then put it online. Mm. That that's really awesome. I'm really glad you guys back it up. And I'm sorry about that <laughs> that case where someone tried to consign some reseal, right? You know, it, it happens, and and they didn't necessarily even know it was resealed product. You know, they just mm -hmm. acquired it from somebody else too. You know, that we have a lot of people in this area going around looking for good deals. They find a good deal, and all of a sudden they want to consign it because they're like, well. Sometimes when it's too good to be true, it actually is too good to be true. Yeah, that's, um, and so that's I think the that was just one. a situation our consigner got themselves into. Yeah, you know, I'm curious to know how you guys feel about this, and this is something that uh, I know other people have kind of wrestled with. But uh, 
the fakes that are on eBay or just, you know, auction sites in general, anyone selling fake cards, um, not even reseal, just fake cards. Um, uh, when you get those fake cards and you realize they're fake and let's say the seller wants them back, do you cut those cards up or do you leave them intact? Well, I think at a, at the, if it's, it just depends on value. If it's, if I've ever received a booster box that I paid $8,000 for, and I think it's fake, so I'm going to return it. I'm not going to open it to prove that it's fake because it. At the end of the day, when if when and if I'm wrong, it's simply too much money. Or to them, it's it's not fake. So you mm-hmm. know, to them, you know, a difference of opinion. So whereas we kind of have a professional level, if we could tell somebody legitimately it's fake, I would caution people from, hey, I received this card. I think it's fake. I'm going to cut it in half and send it back to the guy. And then it ends up having been real. Now you're on the hook potentially, you know, and, and even if you're not wrong, um, that seller, you know, if you're buying on eBay, let's say that seller can say it was returned into a different condition. So it's a really, I think you have the, the justification to do it. It's one of those things where is that a hill you want to die on? Do you want to risk, you know, do you want to risk your money versus principal? And sometimes, yes, you know, like if, if you just simply won't return it because you think this person did wrong and and the money side of it's not more important to you then yes you know cut it don't give them the wrapper back you know fight it through your credit card company you know because there's other ways to go about doing a return than just click return on ebay um maybe do it that way but if if the money's very important to you and it's it's uh you bought a fake first edition charizard for two thousand dollars like these proxies um that you're seeing on ebay then i would say just return it just to be safe um because, you know, at the end of the day, you don't want to be the one that's on the hook for that money. And that's somewhere where eBay really needs to step into and, and eliminate the proxies. They are, they're, they're doing the work to go out and find things they don't like. So, like, for example, you know, we had some issues over the last month or so where we listed a BGS card and we put PSA question mark at the end of the description, kind of get the cross-listing, the cross-searches uh, for a card that was BGS graded with people who are searching PSA, um, you know, they, they weed those out, but they don't weed out proxy. And these people are selling, you know, Charizard proxies for $230. They make it look like it's a really good deal. Like if you're going to sell a proxy, sell it for three bucks, you know, sell it for the cost that it costs, it costs you to print it. Um, that's where they just need to eliminate those from eBay. And eBay's got to do a better job of regulating, in my opinion. Um, and then if you want to buy from a proxy site, like have some legitimate proxy site, go out there and make proxies. But I mean, it's still like, there's still copyright laws involved in this, that so you're making copies of something that's copyrighted and own, uh, copyrights owned by Wizards of the Coast. So, you know, it's one of those things that it's really frustrating and that I think eBay could do a better job. But of course, you know, their hands are full too. What They're doing all kinds of stuff. And so it's just, there needs to be self-police. There needs to be, people, you know, people need to be just really cautious about what they're buying online. Um and you know avoiding things where like the letter rp appears in the title somewhere which means reprint um but it, but just but at the end of the day like you know you need to make sure you're getting what you think you're getting and pay pay up for something that's real you know mm-hmm. if, if you know that you're getting it from a reputable source you know don't don't worry about the the 19 cents more it costs you to buy it from the person who's got 20,000 feedback versus the person who's got six feedback yeah, you know, so that's to me that's what it's all about. Right. Yeah, I, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. Um, 
I think eBay could do better. You know, I'm trying to, you're trying to walk that fine line of should I destroy the item? Should I make it not able to be frauded again? Maybe eBay needs to have their own return center for things that are specifically labeled as fraudulent items, not real authentic. And then they could have the legal authority to destroy the item. So you open a return, you think it's fraudulent, you send it to them. They make the decision. Yes, you're getting your refund and we're destroying it. And they can put that all in their user policy. But I think that's the only way you're ever going to get to a point where it's safe for the buyer to get the item off the market. That is a great idea. I, I like it. I, I agree. I think that's a really good idea. And that's why, um, so I've never actually used it myself, but uh, I think uh, StockX, um, that company that takes in the product, I mean, of course, they, they have a lot of, you know, upfront things that they have to do, right? They take in the product, they verify that it's real, and then they, you know, go back and let people, um, you know, sell it and or auction it off. I can't remember how, how it works exactly. But but like the long story short, there there's a verification process. And and I agree. I think if eBay wants to continue to improve their product, I think that's part that's probably part of something that they need to do. Uh, because you can't, there's, unfortunately, it's good and bad. It's great that we have so many new people into the hobby. I think that's awesome. I love seeing the hobby grow in very positive ways. But part of the problem too, is that there are some people that just don't know buyers that want things that that just don't know. And you're right, they see the deal that's too good to be true. They don't do the research. They don't make sure that it's reputable. They don't care who's selling it. Um, they don't look at the product listing reviews. They see a listing for, you know, a first edition Charizard that's a quantity of 25. Like, no, that is not, you know, so, so they don't know and it's okay to not know, but you have to educate yourself. And I think eBay, like what you were saying, either having some like a fraudulent warehouse or, or some kind of verification process, I think that could really help people out. Yeah, I think, it would, I think it would help the hobby overall. Um, um, I think that at the end of the day, I don't think eBay will do it. That's the, the first thing is I don't think the logistics of it are going to make sense to them money-wise, but it, it's some, I think it's the only solution. So I, I just don't want people to later say, hey, you told them to get, you know, to send the stuff back and let them resell it. Well, at the end of the day, that might be your only option sometimes because at the end of the day, if you want your money back, they want their product back. Um, and, and in no way are any of us are certified experts to say something's fake, even if you know it at the end of the day that it's fake. Um, it makes it it makes it very tough. Um, I think a lot of I think a lot of new people are jumping in the hobby, and I think it's not only them buying the fakes; it's them not being able to weed out what was a real sale. Um, you know, as early as this week, I found you know, you know, I, check mark. We know it's you know not a real bidding shield bidding across multiple items. Somebody then lists the similar item uh, shell bidding happening. I mean, and it, it's all over the place. And, and some of these cards that we're seeing a slight decline, the decline might not be real. The the, the peak might have been fake. So, like, mm. when you look at a card, you know, uh, base set unlimited Charizard PSA 9 or BGS 9, uh, you know, I know Logan Paul sold some, and those were probably real sales because you're buying it from a famous, famous person you want to pay a little more. But other than that, the couple of sales that we saw right after his video that hit 7,000 or 5,000 or 6,000, maybe the card was never worth more than 4,500. And those were fake sales. And they kind of, I see it dropping a little bit, but I don't know, I don't know if the drop is real. You know, I, if, if that makes sense is I, I think the drop might be 
it might just be where it was supposed to be. And those were fake show bidding sales. So the data kind of is a little off and that causes new buyers to think, well, you know, 4,700, that's a steal. You know, I'm not an expert in the matter, but it could be a steal. It could not be a steal. You know, you've got to really analyze all the different sales. I think, I think only using auctions that used to be the standard, you know, I'm going to use auctions to figure out what stuff's worth. I think finding buy it nows now is almost more telling of what something's worth because the auctions are what the shill bidders are targeting. The shill bidders aren't just clicking buy it now and paying for the items to shill an item up. So the actual sold listings, um, I think are, are almost more telling in the Pokemon market. You know, what did somebody actually sell this for and somebody was willing to pay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting to see like those those different ways that uh, the market can be can be manipulated. I mean, I know I, I've heard this before and, you know, I've never owned a car shop card shop I've never I've never been you know a local business owner like that but I've heard of um you know maybe a collection of sports card stores uh going into eBay uh pricing like a particular card at a certain amount and then they will buy each other's and then all of a sudden we see an influx of like you know I don't know like a Vlad Jr. uh rookie card going for x amount of money when um you know, that card is probably in all reality worth like five bucks. Um, you know, you kind of see a little bit of pricing manipulation right there. And it just sounds really similar, you know, based on what you're saying. It's just manipulation of the market. Yeah, I think there's a fine line between uh, the, the shill bidding or market manipulation and somebody that's making investment. So like I might go on TCG player and say, hey, blast voices look like a really good deal today. I'm going to buy 200 of them. Everyone that's under $100, let's say. Um, you know, we've made some decisions like this in the past, you know, just on, on a particular card that we think is a good deal. Um, does that affect the market? Well, the new bottom priced one is now $100, and I own all these ones that were 40 and 50 and $60. You know, we're living in a month ago history. I know that you it's hard to find that stuff anymore. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that because we backed up the purchase. We paid for the items. There's no manipulation of the market. We paid for the items and it, in, by doing so, it increased the average price of them. It's a little different when somebody, you know, bids on something and then doesn't pay. And, or, or in that scenario where you're talking about the multiple car dealers, obviously they're not following through with these transactions because they're, they're plotting it to just increase the value of their own items. So, I think there's a big, you know, just because somebody asks a lot of money for something, I don't think they're manipulating the market. That's just free market. You know, you can ask whatever you want for your items just because they buy out everything of something that's free market. Like I'm okay with people doing that. Um, especially with singles, you know, they, you know, what, you know, Gary from Pawn Stars owns what 21st edition PSA 10 Charizards, you know, he bought those from people. He didn't grade every one of those himself. You know, it's okay for somebody to own a large stake of an individual card or market. Um, as long as they're willing to back it up. It's not like he's making sure everyone on eBay goes over a certain price and then not paying. Um, so I think there's a fine line and people don't really necessarily understand the two. Um, and I, that's why I want people to know is that if people are backing up their purchases on eBay or TCG Play or whatever, the market's going to go up. They're just trying to get their piece of what they perceive to be a good deal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, as far as your guys' thoughts on the market in general, I mean, of course, you know, this year we've been seeing this really, really big boom, which is 
really awesome, really great for the hobby. I love other people going in and just collecting things that they like. Um, and it just comes to show that they're willing to put, you know, some major cash down, which is, which is cool. I'm totally fine with that. Um, so as far as pricing goes, uh, do you think these prices are inflated or do you think this more reflects truly their value or will we see the market correct itself? Um, if, if, if my money uh, was on it, I would think anything that has a first edition stamp from any set is not going down. You will not see, you won't even see a plateau. You'll just see a kind of a constant, you know, and this has been going on for a long time. I think the big misconception is I keep hearing Logan Paul, Logan Paul, Logan Paul. Um, but real specific examples, it, 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 you know, Logan, the red cheek Pikachu was, you know, $3,500 in May. Um, in July, it jumped to 5,000 in August, it jumped to 7,500 Logan Paul did his thing and jumped to 10,000. But a lot of people are saying, look, because of Logan Paul, the red cheeks first edition Pikachu went from 3,000 to 10,000. They're, they're, they're equating the whole price increase to this one event. But when in reality, there was a gradual, strong, you know, 20, 30% a month increase. Um, so I don't think it's it's this thing where it spiked up as much as everybody else thinks. Do I think certain cards spiked up? The, you know, the kind of face level, every collector should have a base unlimited Charizard. That stuff spiked up very fast. And, and, and when I'm telling people to invest their money, I'm saying, I'm not saying don't buy that stuff. I'm saying the safest stuff to buy has a first edition symbol on it from whatever set. Um, so if you're looking for a safe investment, um, you know, it's probably not unlimited from every set. I'm not saying those are bad investments at all. I'm just saying that the safest investment will be something that was a limited issue, like a first edition. You know, what What I find to be really interesting with the first editions, like what you were saying, is um, so earlier this year and a little bit of last year in the wintertime, I started buying a few uh, first edition Shadowless cards. And they were cool. They were really nice. I love them. I still have them. When I started to see common cards jump like five, six X, I was like, holy crap, these are just basic ass cards. It, it was so crazy to me to see that. And obviously I'm happy for it. Will I sell them? No. At first I thought about it because I'm like, oh my God, I've got a $300 card that I spent 50 bucks on. That's awesome. I love it, you know, but yeah, um, it's, it's when I see a, a first or a unlimited Charmander are selling for eight hundred dollars. It's a PSA ten. Um, you know, those are cards that we 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 graded them. We got this random order back from PSA where we got some of the PSA ten Charmanders. You know, we paid we paid fifty cents or a quarter for those cards, graded it for eleven bucks, and all of a sudden they're eight hundred dollar cards. It just didn't make any sense. You know, when we sent them off, we were hoping to get twenty five bucks. You mm -hmm. know, you know, make make ten or fifteen dollars. So. I think Travis is right where the first edition stuff because it's so limited and you know shadowless too like basic shadowless without the first edition stamp it's really rare like the the print run on that was it's it's almost comparable to the first edition like you just don't see a ton of it um so I think those two editions uh of the base set will really hold and then anything like you said anything first edition and then obviously some of the, the crazy stuff like the trophy cards and the really really rare stuff um that stuff will, will hold value and probably continue to, to, to grow as, as the, as the year goes. And as, as we get into next year too, with the 25th anniversary coming up. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, most definitely. And to add to what you were saying about, you know, a Charmander, um, you know, PSA 10 selling for like 800. I wonder if those cards, you will start to see the market correct, because I know uh, some investors, I don't know if you follow Rudy um, on YouTube, he does all the Magic the Gathering stuff. And he also talks about a few other TCG sets. Um, like Pokemon and Flesh and Blood. And and one of the things that keeps him from buying individual cards is that crazy fluctuation in their values. And so he personally sticks with just sealed sealed products, sealed boosters, um, the packs, the boxes, whatever they are. And I can totally understand him because even, I mean, I wouldn't say that, I mean, I know some stuff. I would not by any stretch of the means call myself you know an expert uh, when it comes to any of this but I can understand someone uh kind of staying away from that because they because they to them they see volatility um so I guess we'll see how how high you know those cards the first editions uh the shadowless um you know actually end up getting and when and when we will start to see a plateau like what you were saying um so it'll that'll be really interesting to see i think in the next you know two to five years and then of course the next five to ten years to see just the long term of that um but you know we've been talking about a lot of vintage and and i think from what it sounds like we all kind of prefer the vintage but i'm just really curious um when it comes to the modern sets that have that have been coming out we don't know the print runs um but we know we can probably assume that they're really really big um considering what happened with sports cards and comic books in the 90s do you do you both feel that when it comes to the modern sets are we seeing the same thing is this going to be a repeat of the 90s well for think, po- go ahead okay what, well, what i think the, the major thing and you touched on this on the different uh podcast is that the things that, you know, when somebody pulls a Charizard now, they do take care of it. Oh, you know, most people, 50%, I'd say, you know, 50% of the collections we have come in that are modern Charizards or the best cards um, are, are perfectly kept. So that'd be your, you know, your Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. You know, back back in 89, everybody kept good care of that because, they you know, their dad told them, hey, this will be worth a million dollars by the time you're 40. Well, because everybody took care of it, it didn't become worth a million dollars. But it did go up in value. Like, that's where we're seeing, like, it has gone up in value. So that's the argument to, like, hey, if everybody keeps it in good shape, will it be worth anything? Well, the answer is yes. It just takes more time. It doesn't happen in five years or 10 years or maybe even 20 years, but it does happen. The real thing people are missing in the modern sets, and I find it so comical because somebody will buy a Charmander from me for, you know, let's say closer to what market price is. You know, I, I'd be happy to sell one for three or $400 for a PSA 10 unlimited Charizard. That's market value. Um, they buy that from me, but then I see them open a box of Champion's Path and they say, oh, you can have all my bulk for free. You can, or, or they just throw it back in the box and they don't take care of it. That's the very same cards that 20, 30 years ago, or 20, 30 years from now, will be the ones that nobody took care of that are rare. Even though they're common, just like the Unlimited Charmander, those are those will be what the set builders 20 years from now are having a hard time finding in mint condition. So it, it's just so funny to me to see people doing the same thing they did 20 years ago. Oh, I don't care about this because it's not shiny. <laughs> I think you should, I, in my opinion, you shouldn't sell your bulk. You should keep it in good shape because that's your investment. Everything else is art that you put on the shelf right now and you enjoy the other stuff, you know, that your 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 run of the mill Pikachu's and Charmanders in the sets today, 
I think they'll hold a value 20 years from now because not enough people kept them in good shape and took care of them. And, and, and at the end of the day, there's people that want to complete sets. They want to complete sets in mint condition. And, and that's where the demand's going to come in, you know, down the road. You know, people will be thinking back, you know, there's kids today that are just not taking care of it. And they're going to say, oh, I wish I would have kept all this really nice. What can I get? You know, in the year 20, you know, living down in the stretch 2040, they're going to say, man, I wish I could find a mint condition, uh, you know, hidden fades, common Pikachu or common Charmander, and they just won't be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. So then so then how do you guys feel about um, like the sealed product? Um, do you think that the sealed versions of like Hidden Fates, Champions Path, you know, um, what was it, Darkness Ablaze, like just just any of them? Do, if people have sealed products, should they keep it sealed or should they open it? It just depends on how you're feeling. I mean, if you're feeling like gambling feeling today, lucky. then it's not, <laughs> exactly. Um, I I have a sealed case of Hidden Fates ETBs at my house. Um, my well, just one of the people we we do business with um he's a just pokemon savant and he uh he's like you know you need to buy as much of this hidden fate stuff as you can it's gonna be going to 500 dollars a box blah 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 I was like, okay whatever whatever i'll buy two cases you know two cases at 30 dollars an etv so i'm gonna do those cases for 330 bucks a case now it's looking great when they're you know 2400 2500 a case um, I should have listened to him because he bought a hundred cases because he's a, he's a wild man and a super investor on Pokemon. That's awesome. He's um, got a huge position. He does. Well, he also has the problem where he can't resist and he's probably opened half of them now. No. Um, he just, he, he enjoys. So he, he's, he's a very, he's very wealthy. And, and so the money doesn't actually matter to him. He's just all about having fun and finding cool stuff. So, you know, he, he keeps holding on to him and, and I keep saying, Hey, you want to sell me some? And of course he doesn't want to sell it. <laughs> oh um, man. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah. I, I think that, you know, if it, I, I think that putting away a couple boxes of everything is great. Um, you know, I wish I listened to my, my baseball card self back in 2009 when I was like, well, I should put away some, I should put away a couple boxes of Bowman Chrome baseball every year, you know, and then, and then seven years after later, sell it. Because it's basically guaranteed that every Bowman Chrome baseball product, seven years from when they put it out, you will profit. Um, just because that's when the, those guys finally are making the majors. That's when you see the huge, huge uh, price spikes on, on guys. You know, in 2010, uh, I was really big on Mike Trout when he was in Double A. Um, I actually told my brother, and my brother's crazy but i told him i said mike trout's gonna be one of the three greatest players of all time and i was just blowing smoke but i didn't back that that up because at the time i was working at a card shop my rule is i don't invest in cards while i'm working there um but if i had backed that up you know i could have bought bowman chrome refractor auto rookies for 60 bucks you know that's a 20 to twenty five thousand dollar card now you know so it's just it's money (laughs) <laughs> it was, you know, I probably wouldn't be here today, to be honest. I'd be on the beach somewhere drinking my ties. But, um, you know, it's it's just one of those things where, you know, if you put away the sealed product, it's great. You just it's it's all about picking where you think the market cap is. So, like, you know, two thousand nine Bowman Chrome is great. You know, if you have mm-hmm. boxes, you're selling them for ten thousand a box. You know, but. 2007 now now that those guys are kind of retired and kind of older now it's dropped you know so you got to really you have to really anticipate that market cap so you know it's you know i could buy boxes of 2005 2005 is another great example 2005 bowman chrome it probably capped out around a thousand dollars a box Mm -hmm. when ryan zimmerman was hot and all those guys now i could buy those boxes for 
under two hundred dollars. You know, because because now those guys are retired and didn't didn't become Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. You know, Verlander's in there, so it, it's maintained some value. But the rest of the guys that kind of kept the setup, they kind of just kind of became regular stars, had good careers, but weren't like Hall of Fame kind of level guys. And so it's, you know, if you had been able to sell it a thousand dollars, you know, boxes you bought for one ten, it'd been a great deal. Now, if you want to sell you know, boxes you bought for one ten in two thousand and five for $185, you know, you're still making a profit, but you know, your return on investment is not great. So it's all about choosing that perfect time. And that's, that's where it's so hard. Cause you know, we've sold some crazy stuff um, over the last, if, even especially in Pokemon over the last four or five months, you know, we, we sold, gosh, I don't even know. Like what's, what's like something crazy that you regret, Travis. Oh, I mean, uh, we sold a, a first edition set graded, Almost every card graded on our auction. It wasn't ours, oh, but we didn't we didn't oh, buy anything from this. it. Um, the guy offered it to us for uh, fifteen thousand dollars, and we always tell consigners, "Hey, we tell them if we think they're going to make more." We said, "Hey, we think you'll make more than that. If you just throw it on our auction." So we passed on it fifteen thousand. Um, we most of the set was graded nines and tens. Yeah, it was all graded eights, nines, tens. Um, it sold for seventeen thousand. We had a special deal with him that he was getting a hundred percent of hammer price, so he did make more money. Um, but just, just you know, just the Venusaurs were seventeen thousand dollars now. You know, I mean, just the nine Blastoise. You know, I mean, it was. Uh, so there's so when you thought you were breaking records four months ago, you're turning around and looking at like, oh, I sold it for half, and that's where you get the tr- not even true collectors. There's so many people I approach on Instagram. Um, on Craigslist, on OfferUp, that are showing off their collections, and they say, "I'm not selling anything Wizards of the Coast because yeah. everything I've ever, everything I've ever sold, has gone up, and I regret it." And mm-hmm. that's where you know, being dealers, you know, we sell where where it's at in the market today. Okay, so everything's a regret, you know, but we <laughs> we got to keep a business going. You know, we have other people's mouths to feed. You know, we have employees, um, so we we have to sell it, but. That's what's driving this market more than anything is that the demand is very high and the supply would be sufficient for the demand and, and the prices wouldn't go up. It would just plateau or kind of gradually go up. But every single person that I know that has, you know, $20,000 collection, $100,000 collection, $500,000 collection, they're not selling because they just have seen it, you know, everything they have sold, they've regretted. And so they, they try to learn it. And it's like reverse fear of missing out. They already have it and they don't want to let it go and feel dumb. You know, I sold a, a first edition base set box, factory sealed box. Uh, I think it was four years ago for $7,000 to my friend. Okay, $7,000 for that box. And it was going for $9,000 at the time. Um, I kind of got in a big deal. Um, I didn't even know what it was. You know, I didn't know too much about Pokemon four years ago. Um, I sold it to him for $7,000. He opened it. He enjoyed it. Um, you know, kept some of the cards. He sold a bunch of the packs. He made a lot of people happy about it. A year after that time, it went from $9,000 to $100,000. And now you know, it's three dollars yeah, yeah, this is when, when Pokemon Go came out. I had zero regret for selling it. Because I'm a dealer. That's why I do. I sell stuff for market value or a little bit less than market value on a daily basis. He had no regret because he enjoyed it and he brought all that joy to all those people. Those packs that he that he sold to people 
are probably one in the same that you see Leon Hart opening onesie twosie packs and 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 TCA gaming. You know, he just sold them on eBay to people, and 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 it's really helped the community. Um, I understand the box is worth three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars now. I could have kept. I you know I literally had paid almost nothing for it. I could have kept that in my safe and not cared about it at all. Um, and I would have made three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars for 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 nothing. You know, return on that investment. You know, a million percent. But at the end of the day, there needs to be people like me and Dan here that 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 help this demand. You know, I grade those cards. You know, I'll spend ten dollars on a card to get it graded through PSA that I think is only going to sell for fifteen. Because we have, you know, when you when you extrapolate that out to I have fifteen thousand cards at PSA right now. I'm happy with that return on investment overall. Um, obviously, there's a lot that are much, much better than that. Um, but there needs to be us dealers that are trying to, you know, there's a supply and demand issue. Um, I think people are a bit too, um, I don't want to say lazy. They're, they're, they're too worried about the risk of sending stuff off to grade themselves. They're scared about it taking too long. And so they're, you know, I don't know who else is doing it, but we're, you know, we're trying to just fill in that gap. As you can see on our auction, we let them set the price. I'm not saying, hey, because I have it, you're going to have to pay this price. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to be greedy in any way. Whatever it goes for, it goes for. Um, and we're trying to move through a whole lot of it uh, to kind of help with that supply and demand. I'd like to see it, you know, on the cheaper stuff. I'd like to see a plateau. I'd like to see more kids be able to get involved. I'd like to see more, you know, more people that maybe don't have the resources uh, right now to get involved. There's no need for everything to go up. Do I want these people that have invested heavily in really expensive, rare pieces of art type cards, you know, first edition Charizards and trophy cards? I do want to see those appreciate. I want to see hedge funds buying those, but it's kind of a balance, you know? I don't want to see the, the stuff that used to be cheap keep going up forever and price everybody out either, though. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I can definitely agree with that. And, you know, I'm just kind of curious because, you know, obviously you just said that when you when you have consignments, you don't set the price. The, the you know, y- your your customer sets the price. And so I'm just kind of curious, how do you handle the situation where the seller wants to sell it at a stupid price that is just not not going to sell? Like, do, uh, you, do you come well, across that? Yeah, we, we actually had a customer... We had a customer uh, coming ye- yesterday, and he had um, he had some rare knives. And we do sell knives on our auction occasionally. I mean, this isn't really collectibles. I guess it's collectibles, but he you know had hit a lot of costs in these, so he wanted to start the auctions at a hundred dollars for these knives. And he thought, oh, they're probably worth you know one hundred and fifty to one hundred seventy-five. And I was like, you know, well, we start every auction at a dollar, and we let the market kind of take it where it is. And we we believe that. If you start these auctions at a dollar, you're going to get so much more interest along the way between there and the hundred that you're still going to get the number you want and the number that the item is really worth that the extra interest that you generate from starting the auction low totally benefits you to just to just believe in the market. You know, we're big believers in the market. You know, we sell. You know, we when we when we sell our, our Shadowless Eight Charizard on eBay, we we started at ninety nine cents with free shipping. You know, we don't we don't worry about what it's going to go for. And of course, you know, a lot of that has to do with the, the fact that we don't have much cost into this and we have a lot of cost in that card. But, you know, we just believe that the market will kind of dictate itself and take care of you as long as you trust it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And just the, just, he did say one thing. We do start our monthly auctions at five dollars. That That's because, true. But those are usually yeah, because, bigger lots. And, 
Yeah, um, just, just for shipping purposes, and if something on that auction went for less than five dollars, we'd lose significant money just on the shipping. So we uh, we certainly we do one dollar start every Sunday, and then five dollar start once a month on the monthly auctions. Mm, okay. Okay. So, I mean, that's really cool, and I like that you say that you know trust the market because um, as far as that mindset goes. You know, you guys aren't trying to scam people. You guys are trying to take care of people. You guys aren't setting, you know, crazy, like, like the price you think something will sell two or three years from now. You, you guys aren't doing that. You guys are setting like what you've been saying, you know, at market price, at market value. So, you know, I'm sure that your customers, anyone who's actually buying from those listings can really appreciate that because, you know, as you guys said, you guys focus on taking care of people. So, um, I think that's really good. And like, I just... I hope, I would hope that there's more out there like you, you know, because, because people like you guys are really critical to the community. Like what you were saying, Travis, earlier, we need more people that's going to, you know, not just fulfill the demand because obviously there's a huge demand, but also just doing the right thing, um, which is setting fair prices. I I, I remember, um, and I don't fault the consigner, um, the person who was po- making the post, but, but this one th- on Instagram, um, this particular gentleman was trying to sell a PSA, not, no, a PSA 10 shining Gyarados from Neo destiny. I believe, uh, he bought it in October, like mid October. And the reason why I know is because the seller actually reached out to me, bought it mid October about for about $6,000, um, and was trying to sell it on consignment for 15 K and I just thought it was so insane. And this was literally like earlier this week, last week. So, you know, in the midst of an entire month or so, however many weeks that was, you know, we're looking at a card that's more than doubled in value like that really, really quickly. I, I could see maybe maybe that Shining Gyarados is going to be, you know, 15K, um, I mean, two to five years from now because it's a first edition stamp. Like, it's a really beautiful card. But... um you know, just trying to sell it for these crazy exorbitant prices. I mean, I don't know if they found any any buyers for it. I mean, like, you know, it's, I get it. You're you're wanting yeah. to make money on what you've got, and and that's totally cool. Like, I don't I don't judge that because you're trying to make money. I'm trying to make money. We're all trying to pay bills, but I think there's a difference. Like what you guys are saying, fair prices versus what it could be five years from now. So. Yeah, I think the, in the, like in that situation, somebody that's done really well on an item, you know, if you have low feedback, I'd say consign it with somebody like PWCC Heritage, reach out to people like us. We have a, you know, a super stacked eBay account. Um, we're all of those people, the money you're going to pay them in their, you know, whatever their percentage is, 8%, 10%, 20%, whatever it is, you know, whether you're selling on eBay, Proxibit, Heritage has their own platform. Everybody has different fees of their own that they have to associate with that. You're going to always do better and have less of a headache letting somebody else sell that card for you than just putting on Instagram and expecting somebody to pay you this, this price that's never been realized before. Um, you know, that's where we really, we harp on, you know, just trust the market. Um, if it only sells for, like you said, if he paid, you know, $8,000 for it, if it only sells for $10,000, guess what? It's only worth $10,000. At least you should feel good that you didn't sell somebody something that's worth $10,000 for $15,000. And that's kind of where we've had people, um, like I had a, 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 a card recently that sold on my eBay, guy didn't pay. I relisted it for less 
And then a guy offered me an amount of money. And I said, you know what? I'll take even less than that because I want you to start with a head start on this. I don't want you to overspend. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, when somebody walks into my store, there's a lot of people jumping into Pokemon and they say, they literally say, I'll buy whatever you'll sell me. What will you sell me for a thousand dollars? Wow. I always tell them, Hey, I sell this on eBay for 400. I'm going to sell it to you for 280 because I want you to start with a head start in case it goes down a little bit, unless there's a dip. Um, I think that's huge is that, you know, on these, the idea is to start with a head start. If you're looking to invest, do not go and buy the most expensive thing, unless it's sealed product. If you're buying sealed product, pay the premium, buy from Heritage, buy from PWCC, buy from TCA Gaming, buy from Gary, from Pawn Stars. If any of those guys will sell to you sealed product, pay the extra. But when it comes to the cards, the graded cards, if you're buying graded cards, start with a head start. Go bid on 500 of the same card at a good discounted price and you'll win one of them. Um, and if you start with that head start, you're ne- you're, you're you know, overwhelmingly in any collectible world, you're not going to lose money because the dips will, will just get you back to where you started instead of, hey, I'm upside down on a, a PSA 10 unlimited Charizard that I just spent $35,000 for and a month ago I was selling for 25 and a month before that I was selling for 15 because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it could retrace a little bit. Um, so try to start with a head start, um, bid on places that other people don't bid. Most of my guys that bought Pokemon from us on our auction, um, not to shameful plug here, you know, mo- most of my guys that bought from us last last, uh, last year, they, I, mean, I think there's probably two or three guys that made $100,000 buying Pokemon from us last year um, because they were getting it, you know, just in, in the difference of what it was worth when they bought it to what it's worth now. And now they're selling it. Um, you know, try to hunt down those, you know, Proxy Bid's a great place. E- uh, Goodwill Auctions, that's a good place. Um you know, searching eBay new listings at night, that's a good place. eBay auctions ending at bad times, early in the morning, middle of the night. Um, those are all good places. Heritage overwhelmingly always has good deals for sealed product. I think they have an auction coming up in two weeks. They usually, I've noticed they sell for 25, 30% less than market value on Heritage for whatever reason. I don't know if that'll continue because the Pokemon boom so high. Hunt for new places to buy, your local card shop, Ask about their bulk boxes that they have hidden away that might have those first edition cards from a long time ago. Um, just start with a head start and you'll do fine. Um, if you if you go out there and you there's no investor in the world that'll tell you to go just go buy stuff at you know retail price and expect to be making money after one month. You know you're if you if you're looking long term and you have the resources to hold on to something for 20 years, 10 years, five years, go ahead and buy it at, at retail price. But if you're looking to, you know, potentially need to move it for some kind of bill or resource, you know, start with the head start. Big, big thing. Mm-hmm. So then, um, man, that's really good advice. So you guys are saying buy first editions, which I totally agree with. Um, you know, also sealed boxes, just pay that premium price, go with someone who's reliable. I mean, I think that's really, really good advice. Um, what advice would you give for someone that is trying to buy raw cards or do you suggest it buying raw cards versus PSA or just graded in general? Uh, I mean, I, I'm a big fan that we buy raw cards. I mean, that, to be honest, we buy raw cards, so we grade them. Um, you know, because that's that that's where like the the big swings of value happen. Obviously, is within the grading. Um, if you're a collector who wants to put a, a collection in a binder, I have no problem with that. Buy the raw cards all you want. But if you want to like you know if you're doing this as an investment, really at the end of the day, you're gonna want something that's slapped. Um, you know, if you're buying it as as a collection as a hobby, you know just buy whatever makes you happy. You know that's that's kind of where where I'm at. You know I 
for for me, you know, I used to, when I didn't work in a card store, in my in my other lo- life as a divorce lawyer, um, I used to build low grade vintage sports card sets. Um, that was kind of my hobby. It was I, I it was always about value for me in a way, but it was always a challenge. Like, how cheap can I build a certain set? Um, awesome. I, so like I built like a 1970 tops football set for under $50. Wow. Yeah. You know, like crazy stuff. Like, cause you can just, you can find these deals on eBay and, and, and com C and all kinds of places where you can finish these sets for a really good price. If you don't care about condition. And I never did. Cause for me, it was always just about the challenge of building the set for the, for cheap. That's that, that was, that was the hobby to me, mm-hmm. you know, um, it was, the you hunt. Know, it, it was the hunt. I'm all about the hunt. I don't, I don't like the. I, you know, I, I'm not really a, an investor. Like whenever I buy something, like that, that hidden fates case in my closet at home is just burning a hole in my closet. I feel like, I feel like I need to get it out and either open it or sell it. Cause like I've already made enough money on the investment. It was just the fact that like I took my friend's advice for once and bought stuff. Cause he's just, I mean, he's become a, he's a Pokemon millionaire. You know, yeah, so he, awesome. he's been he's been saving this stuff since 1999. You know, he's but he was buying a Skyridge and sticking it away. Like I mean, he's got some. <laughs> He's got some banana stuff, um, but he doesn't sell. You know, he doesn't. He won't sell to me. He'll give advice on what I should buy, but he doesn't sell. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where where it just do, do what makes you happy. If you're doing this as an investment, you know, try to get the the highest grades you can in the rarest stuff you can find. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the first edition. That's the shadowless stuff, um, and and it's for and you know. Le- and what was another great one is the the graded sealed packs from PSA. Um, you know, if you find a sealed booster pack, you know, for the most part, you're going to know it's a light pack because the people who sent those in are going to send lights for the most part. Right, more um, valuable so, that way. But but it's guaranteed. You know, it's an authenticated pack. It's going to maintain its value. It's encased. It's protected. You know, it's a great investment. So we've sent packs to PSA too. So they're they've got packs out there. Well, we're you know, we'll never get this stuff back from PSA. Sometimes that's how I feel. Um, oh, but man. you know, it, it's to me PSA is just like our business savings account. We just send them stuff once in a while, and one day hopefully we'll get it back. And hopefully the, you know there there'll still be a good market for all the stuff, which I think there will. You know, I think that with the 25th anniversary and Pokemon's really really. Uh, as the company, they're really been on top of making sure everything's really desirable and, and, and making sure that there's chase cards now in each product that everybody's mm-hmm. wanting. You know, the char- you know, Charizard seems to appear a lot in products all of a sudden. Always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and, you know, even with like Vivid Voltage coming out, you know, like the, the Fat Pikachu is a pretty cool looking card. Like, I like it, you know. I want the Fat Pikachu card. I want a, I want a PSA 10 of that on my desk. So. Hell yeah. Like you said, That's art. Like exactly. Raw stuff. Um, just to touch back on that, we, we use TCG player and, and, and just simply look at, you know, if, if I can buy, if a near mint copy as a, you know, a PSA eight is, um, maybe a thousand dollars and I can buy four of the same thing near mint on TCG player, I'm going to do that all day long. Cause I'm patient and willing to wait for the grades to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so raw, um, I think impatience is why people aren't buying raw. I think people are being very impatient. Um, they want it now. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I, trust me, I benefit from not saying this, but go buy 100 Charmanders and send them to PSA. For a, It'll cost you $1,000 plus the cost. You know, you're maybe into it for 1200 bucks. Well, just three PSA 10s is going to pay for it out of that 100 Charmanders. You're going to have 100 graded cards for the same price as just buying three from me at three or $400 a piece. Um, I think 
the be patient. Um, there's an excitement that comes with grading that I don't think most people realize. Every day I get grades back from Beckett. I sign on there. So it's fun. the first thing I, I wake up at Nailed nine it. in the morning. I look and I know that that there's going to be at least one thing graded five days a week from Beckett because uh, we, we do send them a lot of stuff. Um, there's an excitement there and people are honestly missing out on what I perceive to be the funnest part of the hobby is is sending the stuff to grading and getting the grades back. Um, so people should take their time, go to TCG player. You know, we sell raw cards on our auction. We try to do our best to, you know, have front and back photos of individual cards that are in that, you know, 15 to $50 price range or more, um, you know, buy raw cards, send them off to grade. It doesn't need to be a high grade card to make money grading it. You know, right. we grade, I grade BGS fours and fives and threes that are, you know, Venusaurs and Blastoises and Charizards. You can you can make money and it makes sense to do it, um, and and it's very fun to sit there and wait and every morning have something to check on. So, you know, mail day is fun and having just big stacks of slaps like just stacks. I I love it. So I totally I totally get it. Um, but you know, when it comes to getting raw cards graded, do you think? every card is worth getting graded or just the vintage or first edition or unlimited. How are your guys' feelings on that? Every card that's mint, um, that it's PSA 10 value is, is $30 or more. Um, I is what I do for the cheaper stuff. And then if it's honestly, if it's 20, a $20 or more card, $20 or more card raw, it's almost always worth grading. It's just, where do you grade it and how do you grade it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we use uh, PSA, BGS, CGC, GMA, and a small company in California called BSG. Okay, so we use five different grading companies. We send multiple packages to each one every week. So we're getting stuff back in different places. So it's kind of, we have the luxury of being able to choose what condition it's in to send to which company. Um, It's much harder to get a BGS 9.5 than a PSA 10. I'm sorry to tell these people that... It's much harder to get a BGS 9.5 than a PSA 10, but it's much easier to get a BGS 8 than a PSA 8. And a CGC 9.5 is, is impossible to get. We, we, we write it off. We don't expect to get any. And when we get, you know, 5% of them as BGS 9.5s, we're happy. Um, or CGC, sorry, uh, 9.5s. We're happy with that. Um, so it's, it's, it's knowing and learning the market and which company is going to give you which grade and how much you can pay to get it graded. Um, you know, if, if, if you had a first edition Charizard in mint condition, and let's say you were going to say declared value is $50,000, right? You know, nine price, you're going to say, well, it would cost you $5,000 to get that graded at PSA. It would cost you $125 to get it graded at BGS. Which one are you going to choose? You know, it's a, it's a hard thing to look at. Um, one's well, especially- much cheaper. Yeah, you can even you, you know, once COVID is over and they lift their restrictions, you can fly to Dallas, get a hotel room, stay there, walk it in, then wait three days, have some great food, have a good hotel experience, go pick up your card, and still be into it for a third of the price that it would cost you to wait eight months sending it to PSA. So there's yeah. definitely advantages. There's definitely advantages to every company. Um, you know, for me, like we've we've CGC just started this in was it July I think. Uh, just started grading and they by far are, have the best standards i think of of what they're doing to their with the cards i mean their their grading is is spot on um they don't miss anything their labels have i've never seen a mistake in label 
uh, with them. Uh, where PSA and VGS, they'll mess up on the labels and mislabel something once in a while. I need to send it back. Uh, but I've never seen a mistake with CGC. So I'm a big a big fan of them right now. Um, you know, they're, they're new to this, but they've been doing comic books forever. So they do have some forever, history with grading. Yeah. yeah, so so it's they're doing great with trading cards. And they're coming up. They're doing sports cards soon is the rumor. So they've hired a, a guy from PSA as their leader for that. Um, so that's going to be a really good uh, avenue for cards. If they grade those sports cards as hard as they grade trading cards, I probably can't send them anything because <laughs> they are they are tough on the Pokemon. Mm-hmm. You know, I might have to sign up uh, for CGC because Beckett and PSA don't have any open tiers. I think PSA actually only has the basic tier open right now when it comes to their memberships. And it just makes me so sad because I'm like, damn it. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm going to get to the point where I am going to start sending in bulk. So I might, well, no, sending many cards <laughs> to get graded. So I might as well just get a membership. I mean, I'm going to like it. I like, I'm going to appreciate the value in it and having it and then the access to all that data. But um, what one of the things too that's nice about PSA, I, there's good things about all of them. But what's nice about PSA is they don't charge you for the grading until basically they're about to send it back to you. You mm-hmm. know, where Beckett and CGC they charge you as soon as they receive it and process it into their system, um, you get charged up front. Where at PSA, you get it back five days later. You know, so it could sit. That's where I call PSA our savings account. We haven't paid for any of those fifteen thousand cards that are sitting there. You know, at all other than the shipping to get it there. Right. Um, but we haven't paid any of the grading fees. And when they do charge us, oh, man, it's an exciting day because that means we know we're going to get a, a, some kind of a box from Newport Beach and it's going to be great. We fill the PSA <laughs> slabs and, you know, based on the stuff that we graded, sometimes it's going to be, you know, 150 dugongs. But at least, you know, it, at least we have them back. So exactly. Um, but it's still a lot of fun but what's nice yeah like like i said about them is they don't charge you up front so as long as you have you know the money later you're going to be able to sell a portion of whatever you get back and pay for all the grading right right 100 percent. and and you say this eight month waiting period that like it hurts my heart because it just takes so long but you know it just kind of it is what it is i heard i don't know if this is a rumor um and i know uh a few folks that have particular feelings on it but a rumor about PSA modernizing their setup in the sense that they've kind of are trying to automate their grading. I don't know where that came from. I find that to be interesting, though. I know some people are, you know, they they don't they don't like the idea of that because they think they rig the system. Because once you can replicate that, you know, um, once you can replicate yeah, I mean, that automated system, it's not going to be good. But PSA is interesting because it's a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. Um, so they actually do, um, they have quarterly meetings. That they have to post uh, audio on, on, on investor sites. Um, so those are really interesting for me is just because they talk about a lot of the innovation they're looking to do. And they've mentioned stuff about like, you know, uh, automating some of the stuff like centering and corners and stuff where or a computer could analyze it. But at the end of the day, it's still going to be a real person doing it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, a lot of the problem is still, you know, they're receiving way more packages than they could ever possibly hope to grade in a day. You know, so you know, at, in the last quarterly report I listened to was in August. They actually have another one, I think, coming up next Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh. But it's it's sometime within the next week or two. Um, th- they were two million cards behind in August, and oh it's God. it's only increased. And you know, a, a regular person, a regular grader, they can only grade you know seven hundred to a thousand cards a day. 
Right. You know, so they're 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 grading things that they received back in March and April right now. So you're you're hoping that like you know the the package that we got back actually we sent in 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 June and they only checked it in August. It was this fluky one where they must have just pulled it off the shelf and graded it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, other than us getting just dirt lucky with getting that package back you know it's it's gonna take a while on the psa but for me it's worth it the the patience the the waiting time is worth it it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be a great savings account for when we get it back we have some really cool stuff that we sent out that we wish we had sent to bgs at this point you know because like we would have had it back we would have sold it but at the same time the prices have gone up so much that you know, we're, we're happy that it's, it's been sitting there because we would have sold it by now anyway. So at least now we have it for, <laughs> for a while. Oh, now, now everything's forcing you to kind of sit on stuff. So exactly. Oh, dang it. It went up in price. Gosh darn. I know. <laughs> as long as it doesn't go down too much, we're okay. There's more stuff at grading in the overall market than there is available for sale. Like there may be, I mean, PSA might be sitting on a billion dollars worth of ah. Oh my god! I mean, I, I, I mean, it just very well. There's gonna be a lot of cool stuff coming back. Um, you know, watch those population reports; they're gonna grow, but the demand has grown beyond what you know. There's more than one person that wants. You know, there's 60. You know, first edition fossil magnetons. You know, PSA 10. The demand is is you know a thousand times higher than that. So we're fine if, if the populations grow. Um, you know, Zion Williamson had you know. 100,000 of his cards were graded in his rookie year between all the different companies and the different cards he had, 100,000 of them. Um, and that's just one player in the NBA. And and, and prices, uh, you know, prices in the market overall for basketball kind of dipped um, the last couple months when the season ended. But overwhelmingly, there is plenty of demand for, for, for these items. I don't think Pokemon's any different. I think I think people, I mean, I, I'm not opposed to owning 10 of the same card in the same grade. You know, I mean, and that's where everybody's like, well, supply and demand. It's like, well, look at Gary from Pawn Stars. The guy owns that many himself, and he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a want to sell them to anybody else. Um, so when you, you know you have a card that maybe will double or triple in population, I think there's going to be an individual. You know, you see these guys that only collect Dragonite, only collect Charizard, only collect Charmander, War Turtle, Blastoise, whatever it is. There's going to be a guy that will be sit there, and if he thinks he's getting a discount, maybe eighty percent or ninety percent of retail price he's gonna just buy them all and, and sit on them so I, I don't i don't see this worry where people are worried about hey there's gonna be this influx of stuff coming back from psa that's gonna drive the prices down because the the demand is just absolutely so much higher than that supply right and and so when i get a notification on my phone that there's been like a thousand more you know ebay listings for psa pokemon I know it's going to be y'all. So I'll get <laughs> <Yeah>. that notification. <laughs> and I will all know that you guys got your haul back. <laughs> all, all ours are auctions. So we start everything on eBay at 99 cents. And we start everything on our auction at $1. So if you're going to buy it from us, you're going to get it for market rate. So, Hell yeah. um, you know, whether on eBay or goingtwice.com, either one. So, so then what are your guys' thoughts on reserve reserve prices? Because I don't see it much with Pokemon. Um, but I see it a lot in the sports card world. Uh, are you for or against reserve prices? I, I hate it. It's the worst. It's it's not good for the the buyer. It's not good for the seller. Most most what happens is it just doesn't hit the reserve, or it just barely hits the reserve, and where it would have went for more overall. I just bid on a Pokemon item 
Um, I don't want to put everybody onto what I'm bidding on here. I just bid on an item, $500 that has a reserve that we haven't hit. Mm-hmm. It says reserve not met. I bid $500. I bid way more. I bid double that, you know? Wow. But it's a very, it's a very niche item that it might not hit the reserve, but I'm willing to pay the guy a lot of money for the item, but it just might not get the attention because it's a very obscure item. Mm-hmm. So I think reserves are kind of just silly. Whereas if you would have just started it at, uh, you know, if you just started at 99 cents, tons of people would have thought, Ooh, nobody's going to be paying attention. They would have three, four, 500 watchers. There's and then the it deal. goes for market value, you know, um, people are always looking for that deal and that gets them maybe overexcited and they bid more, um, right. because they don't think anybody's watching when, when in reality things get found. Usually. Everybody's watching. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> watching it. So I think the item has 43 watchers right now, and I'm don't I don't anticipating it hitting whatever reserve the guy had on it. And it just frustrates me because if his if, if he would have just did a starting price maybe at what he wanted, I would have bid that. Or or if he would just started at 99 cents, I still would have kept my number at the exact same number. Or mm-hmm. if he would have done a buy it now, I would have sent him an offer. But at the end of the day, doing a reserve I think doesn't benefit you as a seller. Certainly doesn't benefit the buyers. I think eBay should get rid of it. I think auction should be 99 cents. Uh, plus shipping, you know, 99 cents plus shipping for auctions and then, or buy it now. No in between Uh, the number of sales would increase for eBay. The number of people that are on buying on eBay. Could you imagine if every auction was a 99 cent start, how often you would be bidding on auctions on eBay. It would be so fun for everybody. So there's a couple changes that need to be made there. eBay needs to get rid of the reserve feature. Any auction company uh, that sets reserves, um, I can't speak to them on, on why they're doing it. I don't think they should be doing it. You'll never see on our website, you'll never see an item that says like sold subject to approval or anything like that. What it sells for is what we'll sell it for. Um, you know, hundred percent of the time we've had a few instances where a seller, um, you know, wasn't happy with the price. Uh, you know, we kind of show them the contract and, and what they signed. We're certainly you know, we do whatever we can to make people happy. Um, there's been instances where we come out of our own pocket because something did go for way too low, um, mm. you know, for whatever reason. You know, that's why people sign on to the auction is to get a good deal. So um, we always try to make the, the seller and the buyer happy. Um, and and same same thing is is if, if you missed a nick on a card that we photographed, I, we say yes to 99.9% of returns on our auction, but we will tell you like, Hey, please pay closer attention because this does, it's a kink in our system. You know, we want you to pay attention, um, bid according to what you see, not what you think something's going to be. Um, right. I, I would say if, if, if you're looking to sign on our auctions, bid according to what you know, it is, you know, assume the worst and, and you're going to be pleasantly surprised almost always. Um, you know, we try to do great photos. We try to do front and back of things that matter. Um, Pay, pay attention as a bidder. Same thing when you're on eBay. Don't don't buy this lot and then return it because everything wasn't near mint when the guy never said it wasn't near mint, you know? Right, right. So. I mean, the you know, if the seller isn't, if the seller is being transparent, you know, photographing all the nicks, all, any creases, the warp, any of it, scratches on the hollow, like, you know, yeah. you can't, I mean, that's responsible. That's responsibility on the seller. That that's his responsibility. Um, so you know, you can't really fault him if you didn't notice. But that's really cool that you guys honor. You know, ninety nine point nine percent of your returns. What's the point point one percent? It's like when the person like uh, is trying to scam the system. You know, ah, they, yeah. they, they yeah. buy an item. They, they they you know we always tell people buyer's remorse is not in our uh, 
in our return <laughs> policy. Return policy, you know, no. <laughs> that's, that's why we run an auction company is, is because, you know, uh, 95% of the items people got for a good deal. The other 5% people pay, paid full market price or, or maybe we did really well on an item. That's what balances it out. If I don't have that balance of people getting excited and maybe overbidding, you know, that's their choice to do. They really want the item. There's very few of them in the world. Um, that balance is what makes it worth it to us. If we don't, you know, I can't just say, you know, the guy just regrets buying it. That's not a, that's not a, a, a proper return, you know, at least make something, at least lie to me a little bit. Don't, don't just <laughs> like, say, I feel like I overspent. Uh, but we, we, trust me, I, we've, we've accepted plenty of those returns too. Um, mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're a small operation here. If you call us Monday through Friday, um, anybody that's listening, you call us and have questions about condition on something, we're happy to answer. If you get something in the mail, something's wrong, we're happy to, to make it right. Um, you know, as an auctioneer, trust me, I've had plenty of people, you know, come in mad and they leave happy. That's really, Mm -hmm. you know, they feel like they got screwed over and we make it right. And, uh, I've had, you know, same thing. We've had people, you know, just like any other company, you know, somebody say something bad about you online. Um, and, but when they actually reach out to us, whether that was somebody on a Google review or somebody on a, a Reddit stream or whatever it is that they had a problem with us, as soon as they actually reached out to us, they all left happy. I can, mm-hmm. I can a hundred percent say that, that nobody, um, feels robbed from us in any way. And if they do, they haven't reached out to us and we want them to reach out to us because we want as many customers on there as possible. We just, we just want people to be happy. I mean, there's, there's a lot of greed, um, in the auction industry. There's a lot of greed in, in collectibles and, and, and we just try not to be one of those people. You know, we, we feel like we make our fair share and, and if, if you felt like you were done wrong, let's make it right. Hmm. Yeah, I, I really, really like that, um, you know, like what, what we've always talked about is, you know, you guys just try to do the right thing and try to make people happy. So, I mean, I, I think that's really great on, on y'all's part to do that. And that's really cool, too, to hear that you guys, you know, if someone's mad, you've actually paid the difference of the market value versus what the auction what the auction actually came, uh, uh, that, that final auction price. Um, uh, so, I, man, I think... Well, and and to to kind of hedge that a little, that's usually if if something happens, it's our fault. Oh, you know, like if something just doesn't sell for uh, the amount they they thought it should sell for, that's not going to be a reason. But like if it didn't sell for very well because like, you know, we had a bad photo or we didn't spread the items out enough, you know, something where it was our fault. That's that's the kind of situation where we're going to help a consigner out. Mm -hmm. Um, That's and that's where, you know, you know, we used to we used to, you know, we've kind of grown as a company we used to employ a lot of like you know 18 19 year old kids now everybody works for us as an adult <laughs> so you know we we have great you know we have a guy a quality photo takers now um you know we have an expert expert packer we, we try to make all this stuff get out there safely we try to make everything sure that everything's on the up and up everything everybody sees what they're gonna get and knows they're gonna get a, a, a real good item from us mm, that is very very cool um yeah, I, I'm glad you put in that caveat because that makes sense. Like if it was on y'all because of something, whatever the reason was, like I think you got to make it right. So I think that's really good. Um, as far as getting back a little bit to the grading, because I need to know for myself personally, um, do you guys do middleman services? No, we, uh, we, I, I, for the last, okay, so all summer long, I was on the road uh, buying card shop to card shop sleeping in hotels for basically three months straight. Uh, that's how we acquired most of these sports cards and trading cards and 
that's why we we have you know twenty thousand total cards out of grading um because we did that but since then since august my entire job has been sleeving card saber wanting and sending things off to grading uh nonstop. and and that was my jo- entire job before june as well you know may may june early june uh and then dan obviously does tons and tons of grading as well and we have one other employee that uh spends half of his day just sending stuff off to grading um we don't do any middleman services i we don't do it for people and we don't use any middleman services Mm -hmm. Um, i know there's a lot of trustworthy guys that do middleman you know send off the stuff for you but the the, at the end of the day the number one reason why somebody's not going to trust me is because i graded their cards for them right and i i don't need money enough to risk those ruining those relationships I have with my customers. I have at least one customer come in every day and say, do you guys send in stuff for grading? And I say, we do not, but I'll take a half hour, hour out of my day and I'll show you how to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, it's you it's to, also to that, was, we don't want to disappoint the customers in something that's not in our control. Right. And we can't control how long PSA or BGS is going to take. You know, we say that PSA is an estimate of nine months right now, but it could be two years. And all of a sudden, you know, that you hit that nine month mark and you haven't got it back and you said, hey, yeah, it's going to be about nine months. Well, all of a sudden they are behind and it's out of our control. And now they don't see PSA. They see you guys didn't send it <laughs> right. off in time. And that's why it's taking so long. You know, so we just don't like to disappoint anybody. So, you know, for us, it's we have plenty to do. Um, you know, it sounds we, like we've, it for we've, sure. we've we've considered some things where like we'll send off an entire uh, order for someone if they're going to grade it and sell it on our auction. You know, we've considered mm-hmm. some stuff like that. We haven't we haven't implemented that yet. That's something that's kind of in in the works, uh, possibly down the line. Um, for doing collections you know we like yesterday a customer of ours who's a comic book buyer came in and he had been hoarding all his pokemon cards since 99 and he brought them <laughs> in and it, it was it was great um you know that's a situation where we might have done something where you know we would take all his hollows and, and mail them off and grade and then we'll sell them on our auction for him we ended up just buying his collection outright because he was happy because he just wants to take the money and buy more comic books right um and then we and then we don't feel the pressure of having to, you know, stop what we're doing on our stuff and get his stuff mailed out. You know, we still have, you know, Travis has got, you know, four or five rows probably of stuff right now lined up that he hasn't even sleeved yet um, to get out for grading in the next few weeks. Um, so, you know, having to stop all that, it's just easier just to buy his collection, let it sit there until we're at that point and then get through that and get that out there for grading too. So it's just, it's a lot of work. You know, we work a lot. Um, but you know, it's all, it's all, you know, it's not really work if you enjoy it. I mean, I, I get, I get up every day excited to come in here. Um, it's not like a real job, although I sit and type, I mean, I type eight hours a day, every day to build those auctions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, cause I don't like anyone else's titles. And so I have to do all the titling myself. If Travis and I don't type the title, <laughs> I don't like the title. So that's, we, 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 uh, we're, we're, we're very particular about how things are, are written on there. And so. It's just one of those things where right now it's, we, we just work hard and, and make sure that, you know, we're providing good service to everybody and then make sure that, like, you know, we're, we're enjoying what we're doing. So we're not enjoying what we're doing. And that's kind of why we don't take consignment of just anything. We have to really like the item to, to take it on consignment. Otherwise, like, I'd rather just sell my own stuff and have fun with that. And like, I like looking at my, you know, pile, I have a, you know, I like looking at my pile of gar- cards to grade. Yes. You know, I'd rather do, th- <laughs> I'd rather do that than, than, uh, 
you know, sit, sit and look through somebody else's Zippo lighter collection, you know what I right. mean? Right. So. I was about to say, you guys are living the dream, really, in all honesty. Well, we... In uh, ways. In ways. <laughs> I, come, I come in between 9 and 10 a.m., and then I leave uh, about 9 p.m. or midnight, somewhere in that window each night. So it's, it's a lot of work, but it's enjoyable work. Um, you know, some, some days there's stresses. I probably spent 10 hours on the phone this week with uh, BGS, eBay, and CGC, um, at least 10 hours, um, with, with small complaints. I'm kind of that guy that, that if I'm, you know, we spend probably five to $10,000 a week with Beckett. Um, I expect the service to be, you know, in par with the amount of money we're spending with them. Mm -hmm. Um, CGC, a couple small complaints, but they've been great. Um, eBay, eBay makes, you know, $10,000 a month off of us. Definitely think that we should, uh, you know, when I shouldn't have any complaints at the end of the day. Um, you know, they, they, there's a million reasons why I have to call them over these issues, but, uh, those things aren't so fun. Um, but the buying stuff is fun. Um, the, the grading, getting graded stuff back is fun. Um, you know, my, our staff is great. Uh, there's nobody here that I don't like that. Uh, we, we've, we've known them all for a really long time, really tight, tight group. Um, you know, we, there's no, there's no, you know, me and Dan, there's no worry about, you know, trust between us. We've been doing this a long time together. Um, I, I just think it's important to surround yourself around people that, that don't value money in this. You know, there's some people that just value money way too much. Um, at the end of the day, I'm not trying to get one over on anybody. It's just, it's just paper, you know, I'm just trading cardboard for paper. So, um, <laughs> we, uh, we certainly don't take it too serious. Um, and just try to make everybody happy. So I, I, I think that's the, the biggest thing we want to harp on is that, um, you know, and we've changed over time, you know, when we first got started, we didn't have necessarily the resources to, to just like eat a return as easily, you know, it was, it was something right. we had to fight a little bit more. Now it's, if somebody's not happy, just send it on back. We'll make it right. And we have a lot of guys that send it back and they say, just send me something else. They don't even want it, you know, the refund. They just say, Surprise we know you guys are good for it. Just send, just send it back. Uh, we have a guy that's yeah, he's had a, a eight thousand dollar credit with us for a, uh, a oh return on God. some of those some of those booster packs that we were talking about before. We you know he bought some really expensive booster packs and and we we said hey we'll give you the refund right now. He said just keep it on my my credit account and I know you're good for it, but I'm, I'm gonna try to see if there's something cool to buy first off your auction. That's we awesome. said sure, no problem. You know we, the money's we, here we, if you want it. Yeah, we had a Charizard yeah. returned last week. Um, because we ex we we accidentally left it in a gaming sleeve, so the back wasn't photoed. So it wasn't oh. like the, the the front was really nice, mm -hmm. and the back didn't kind of translate. And that's so that's just our error. So we let him return it. He didn't want the money back. He said, "Send me a mystery box of stuff that's worth yes. about the same amount." <laughs> So awesome. we put together, we put together an awesome mystery box with like a BGS nine five uh, Charizard V and some other stuff. So hopefully he's happy with that. I mean he's in our state too, which is good. So mm -hmm. um, he also he had spent twenty three thousand dollars in one weekend on our auction. He went a little crazy on the. Um, right. <laughs> we had a bunch of heavy base set unlimited packs um, come through from a consigner. Mm -hmm. um, he had picked them up on Instagram for sixty bucks a piece. Um, a month ago so like a month ago like this is when they were worth four or five hundred each you know he got them for 60 bucks each on instagram and they were he opened the first one he opened as a sample because i was like okay these are going to be resealed yeah he, he opens one back and it's a charizard it was what? unbelievable wait yeah. so they weren't resealed no they were no legit. they were they were totally legit 
I opened like four of them. <laughs> yeah, oh it was crazy. He, he did very well on the on the deal overall. Um, it wasn't his. I mean, he was taking a lot of risk. It was like, hey, I'm giving this guy a lot of money, friends and family. You know, I mean, he's oh yeah, you know, mm-hmm. he spent like seven thousand dollars on a complete gamble, and it paid off. Very big for him. But, yeah, gosh. very big. I mean, he wow. got he got. We paid him, you know, twelve thousand dollars just for some packs. You know, Sheesh. just 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 for the ones that we wanted to open and trade the people because it was fun. Um, mm. so, that is you know. so much fun. Gosh. Yeah. Th- I don't, I don't, I don't have, I don't have balls like that. I don't have, like, I mean, you said it, you said it, like, the number one rule is if, I mean, well, I guess I made it the number one rule, but, like, low-key, if you're trying to protect yourself as a buyer, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Well, our our, our friend likes really good deals, so he's willing to take more risks <laughs> than I am. Um, the biggest risk I ever took was, uh, with, with somebody that's actually a really good friend of mine now was uh, a jungle uh, first edition box for 8,500 about two months ago, three months mm. ago. Um, and I really trusted the guy, um, but that was friends and family. Um, but you know, when you're dealing with those kinds of money, it's, it's, it's certainly always scary. Um, <laughs> you know, once, but once you've done business with them, you know, that, that was probably the first real business we did with each other was a $8,500 friends and family first edition jungle box. But wow. now it's, now it's sold for <laughs> 1.2 million, you know? Well, yeah. Exactly. We're rich. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, my god that is so well, crazy yeah not not that it's gonna get paid for i mean but it has appreciated obviously up to maybe twenty thousand dollars at least so mm-hmm. uh, no complaints he, he's in the same boat as me that we're in the business of selling stuff you know stuff goes up stuff goes down you don't regret it you just move on to the next so right yeah. right if you, if you stay too much on something you're just gonna like probably not do anything because you're just scared <laughs> you know just like indecision and then you won't go for it when you probably should you know so that's that's crazy but I mean okay so I know we scheduled for like an hour and a half and I really really want to I want to be respectful of y'all's time because obviously you guys are working right now so oh we're okay we're fine it, okay. it, I want to yeah we, if we, we can finish answering the questions that's not a problem so. I mean like you guys have prompted a lot more questions so just as an aside all of the questions that I have, I'm not going to ask. But if you guys are open to a part two, that would be very cool. So yeah, just... no problem. Nice, awesome. Well, I mean, I guess for like, I'll just I'll just uh, pull up just like a few more questions just to you know be respectful. But um, the one thing that I wanted to ask, and this kind of goes back to Travis, you used the word niche. You know, finding those like little niche, those little places of arbitrage where, you know, no one's really looking at it. Uh, certain parts of the market that people aren't really looking at, so you can find some arbitrage because you think you know it's going to appreciate in value. So, um, so I'm just kind of curious, like for people trying to you know look in those niches. Um, I know a few people have thrown out like the Meiji sets, the Meiji sets as being something that people aren't paying too much attention to, um, you know, the 1997 Cardass, uh, Bandai cards, you know, the Japanese cards. I'm just curious, what are your, what are your thoughts on, on those niche sets? Like, do you have some that you guys are kind of looking at right now? Or, or do you think like those Cardass sets are, you know, truly kind of niche in that sense and not being closely looked at? What are your thoughts? Well, I think those sets in particular are just so simply hard to find that you're buying graded ones. And yes, they are good investments based on the population and the future population. 
But if you're going to find that stuff raw, I think you're you're basically in for a chip trip to Japan. Like I really do. So I agree that there are tons of money to be made on that stuff. It certainly has room to grow as people um, get more serious about it. As hedge funds get serious, you know, you got hedge funds that are buying, you know, the, you know, pooling money together to buy Pokemon cards. So um, I, I certainly think those things are good investments. Um, the things that I look at and I say, hey, this is a part of the market that people are missing. Um, number one is packs. And number two is jumbo cards. I think those two things graded in a slab, no matter the set, modern stuff, jumbo cards, box toppers, promo jumbo cards, uh, vintage promo cards, vintage tops chrome, you know, they have the, the square ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then packs, you know, evolutions packs, hidden fates packs, um, you know, champions path packs. Nobody's sending this stuff off to grade. And it's very cheap to grade. It's very cheap to acquire. And I think it, it makes for really, really awesome art. Like I could picture it behind you there, you know, on your shelf, you know, even if you just had one, you know, just one graded Evolutions Charizard pack, mm-hmm. um, the pack's worth $15. It costs $20 to grade. That's 35 bucks. If you were at a flea market and you saw a PSA 10 graded Charizard pack for a hundred bucks, would you even bat an eye on it? Or you, you just buy it because you think it's cool. 100. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, the, and then same with the jumbo cards. Um, in a literal sense, they are art. Um, they're you know they're closer to that eight by ten kind of framed art. Um, so if you mm-hmm. get stuff like that graded, um, or even if you just frame it, um, I think that people are kind of missing the ball on those just because they're not the traditional things that people have collected. Um, I know I have I have some really crazy friends that have like legendary collection PSA ten box topper you know, sets that are worth, you know, $100,000 or whatever it is. Yes, that's I'm not awesome. necessarily talking about that stuff. I'm talking about the stuff that right now you literally, I mean, most people throw away or, or just stuff away. They're, they're, they're jumbo cards. Um, they, they, the packs, they don't even think, you know, they open a booster box. If you just, every booster box, you pulled out one pack and sent off a grading order every three months, you'd have these really cool pieces of artwork. And I, I really don't see anybody looking at this. I don't think... I mean, if you go look up Evolution PSA 10 booster pack, if there are any, there's one. Um, <laughs> and there should be hundreds because right. it's an iconic set. Um, people love it. Um, the artwork on the, the packs is nostalgic. Um, I think if you start looking at cards um, as art um, in, in terms of things like that, um, what what do people want to have in their man caves? What do people want to have in, in, in their bedrooms? Um, I think that's a great, great little niche for people. Um, I don't, and I don't think me saying this is going to flood the market by any means. I can tell a hundred people to grade their packs. You uh-huh. know, we grade packs of sets that nobody else is grading, you know, population one type of stuff. Um, and still people won't do it because they're, they're too eager to open it. Um, or it's too hard to send off the jumbo cards. But I, if I was going to recommend anything that was guaranteed profit, it'd be that you would not lose money. There's no way to lose money grading a, a $2 pack of anything for 20 bucks. You're into $22 plus shipping, you know, maybe 25 bucks a pack for Champion's Path or, or maybe a cheaper set. Darkness Ablaze has a Charizard art pack. You're mm-hmm. at 25 bucks. How can you lose money there? Oh, for, right. You know, it's, 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 it's going to be an awesome piece of art. Yeah, 100%. You guys are kind of like these guys right here. It's Weatherlight and Exodus from Magic. I don't know if you can see. You, you guys make me want to get them graded. Like, after talking to you guys, I want to get all of these graded. Well, not the Leia, but I've got this guy right here. This Cristiano Ronaldo. 
um, that I saw. That's a good card. Um, the story behind this, I like a year and a half ago or so, I bought a whole lot of Cristiano Ronaldo cards. It cost me like ten bucks. That was one of those cards in there. So I pretty much paid two dollars for that card. What what set is that from? Um, this is the. Uh, it's printed by UK Traditions. It just says Football World Stars. Right. Hell yeah! So, I am. So this this PSA ten. Yeah, it, this if this is gets graded as a PSA 10, I saw something. It was like the prices were kind of ranging a little bit, um, but definitely over a thousand. I don't think more than yeah. One, 2, one sold yesterday for fourteen fourteen fifty eight. That's Anyways. crazy for two bucks. That's a that's a great find. That, yeah. Those are the kind of margins I like. <laughs> See, now that's the hunt. I can I can relate to you guys trying yeah. to like hunt for the thing and find it like travis when you're saying you were traveling around three months to find some good stuff i remember when i first really got into uh collectibles and and realizing that they were an investment like an asset class um i was on this facebook group for comic books and this guy was you know just coming up with really really great stuff and i was just asking him like how do you find this stuff and literally he do what you do travis he just travel around like go to people's basements all over the the u.s and 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 find those collections where you know you're charging however much because it's mostly bulk and you know i mean we're, we're talking like probably 10 15 000 for some collections right um but in one year he was making something like eighty-five thousand from doing yeah. just just all that and and so if you really like to hunt and, and you got the time to to do that i mean that that's a part of your job and what you do but like to yeah. find those things that's what you that's that's the work right yeah it's the fun yeah. though i think overwhelmingly yeah. the biggest stress in my life is i want people people there's a lot of money in this pay your taxes do not <laughs> everybody we had to drive to san francisco last week with uh what did we spend? We spent $80,000. I had to bring $80,000 in cash wow. to San Francisco, which is a 13-hour drive. So I had to get all the cash out of my bank here. You over know, two days. Over two days. <laughs> and I had to drive 13 hours each way. You know, we did it all in a 20, you know, 26 hours. We went straight there and straight back, me and Dan, to buy Pokemon cards. You know, $80,000 worth of Pokemon cards. My biggest desire is for, you know, we, we just pay our taxes. Um I don't think that this whole people that are like, oh, I need friends and family because the IRS won't see it doesn't really make any sense. The IRS can see whatever they want. Uh, your friends and family is not saving you. Okay, just because yeah. PayPal doesn't send you tax paperwork does not mean that it's not being seen. Uh, I think that you'll live a much more stress-free life if you just pay them their share. That's like my mm -hmm. biggest thing. We live stress-free because there's nobody that can take anything from us because we pay it as we go. Um, whereas if, you know, these guys that I'm, I'm giving $75,000 to in cash, $100,000 to in cash for Pokemon or basketball cards or baseball cards, whatever it is, I, they're, they're living with stress. Um, even though they feel like they made an extra 25% or 28%, um, at the end of the day, that stress isn't worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I know, I know everybody that's listening disagrees with me. I don't want to give the government any of my, you know, collectibles money, but just, just, you know, it's, it's just, it's such a less stress than knowing you took something that wasn't yours. Right. Yeah. Right. 
That's funny. When we when we give a guy eighty thousand dollars, we type his name into our QuickBooks. So if they ever come and say, yeah, we report everything. So, you know, if, when they come and ask, I mean, his name's not. We're not we're not going to go turn things into the IRS and say, hey, this, you we give this guy eighty thousand cash. You know, but if they ever put it all together, you know, it's it we have all the information because mm-hmm. we we want to do it right because there's plenty of money in this and that you know it's it's kind of the it's kind of the what you pay to live in the united states i mean you pay your taxes when you make a big transaction or make a big sale like that's just part of the part of the game if you don't want to do that you know go be a mercenary and, and find your own island but for <laughs> now that's not really not really yeah. available so you, know, you just gotta kind of pay your dues pay your taxes and that, that will keep you you know Cashier's checks are the future of collectibles. Yes. He needs to start. The transactions would happen more frequently. There'd be new record prices if people were just willing. Because you get to write off your costs, you know. Um, if everybody just, if everybody did it right, nobody would pay a lot in taxes. It's uh, it's people that, the couple of people that hide the money that are causing uh, the other people to have to hide what they spent. Um, so, yeah, I, I know it's a little off subject, but. I'm tired of driving around the country with, you know, duffel bags of money to, to buy Pokemon <laughs> cards. <laughs> gosh, I, gosh, I cannot imagine walking around or driving around with 80000 in cash just sitting there being, like, probably a little worried, you know, <laughs> keeping it in the trunk so no one can see it. <laughs> yeah, no, we, uh, I unload every item that's in my, uh, all summer, every item that was in my truck got unloaded every day into the hotel it was about an hour process to unload and load every day um just all the assets all the money um you know doing our best to be you know smart and not let anything bad happen to us right yeah you gotta yeah i I would do the same thing there's no freaking way i'm leaving that in my car (laughs) no way um not some of the, the dumps that travis is willing to stay in when i go on the road we stay in the nicer places but when when uh, it was just Travis, he doesn't care where he stays, so he'll stay at the Motel Six or Motel six whatever hotel. Number one. Oh man, do you, do they give to out reward the, points? They got you. Uh, they, they they probably do, but to me, like that that's camping. Like I'm not going to stay in a Motel Six. So, I like it. You know, we're, we're gonna stay. Uh, Holiday Inn Express is like my bottom, and then we go from there. <laughs> I'm an old man. I mean, I'm 39 years old. I gotta trust I'm not the stay in the hotel six I don't anymore. Know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've slept on top of the sheets a time or two. There's that's some bad ones. Oh man. You know what though? I don't know. Okay. Well, respect, but also like I don't know if I would do the same thing. But respect to the hustle. Respect. Yes. <laughs> gotta go save that 40 bucks. <laughs> Yes. Which could go to, you know, another Pokemon card. Like that's a that, for card. sure. That's <laughs> twenty that's twenty near mint Charmanders. There we go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well then then like this is obviously just a question for myself because I wanna know but I'm sure other people would probably wanna know as well. So I'm you you guys have convinced me I've got a whole bunch of cards then that now I'm probably gonna get graded. Packs and I'm probably gonna get graded. So for me what should what should I be doing to get everything together? Because I did at only one time get something graded PSA. Uh, that was just me and them direct PSA. Everything else I had done through a middleman. Um, I would go through him, but he's all the way in Korea, so it's like the shipping 
doesn't quite make sense. Uh, he got stationed out there. Um, I had him on the podcast once. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 So, so, uh, what, what do I, what do I do? Do I, do I do what you guys do and kind of figure out, okay, this card, like grade your card, kind of look at what I think it could get graded for and then kind of figure out who I want to send it to or do I just make it easy and just send it to one one place like uh, BGS or CGC because uh, so they're a little shorter? At the end of the day, okay, so just decide if you're one of two people. If you, if you believe in the market and you think overwhelmingly it'll at least be the same if not more, in a year from now, okay? If you believe that, you're going to go this route. And if you, if you believe that there's risk, if you believe there's risk, send all your stuff to BGS and CGC and you'll actually get it back within a, a somewhat timely matter, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you're that person, that's your only options, okay? But if you truly believe that there's no, that reasonably it's going to be the same, if not more, a year from now, um, send your mintiest, mintiest stuff to PSA, your second mintiest stuff to BGS and then, um, you know, kind of, you know, maybe fill in some modern stuff to CGC just because it's fun to have more stuff coming in. Um, mm -hmm. That That's really the, the bulk of what we do if we on stuff we trust, you know, the mintiest stuff to PSA, second, you know, one or two dings to Beckett and then uh, CGC just gets stuff when we have just simply too much already going to PSA and Beckett. Um, and, and then you send them for the cheapest tier you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, it, the the long standing tradition was you could send everything bulk. Um, you know, you could send twenty thousand dollar cards bulk and just say declare value less. Um, I don't know if that's changed at PSA, um, where you have to like you know send a fifty thousand dollar card and pay the five thousand dollars. I just don't know um, because there's too much stuff that we've sent off that was worth a hundred dollars that's now worth a thousand. I don't know if they're going to charge us more hmm. um, because it crossed that threshold. Um, we, we typically just say every card is declared value of what we paid for it, um, which typically it falls into bulk. Um, so you sign up, you take that, you know, you, you know, you're talking about tier memberships, that bottom tier membership at PSA still gives you the discount, every discount at PSA that I get, you just don't get the free coupons. Right, those free, those free those vouchers. Those free 15 yeah. vouchers. That's the only difference. And they're not giving they're those not giving to us anymore anybody. Yeah. yeah. So Thanks everybody will that. be moving down to the same tier. Um, so I'd say, you know, you sign up for PSA, you send it direct to them. Uh, you only need to send 20 cards now to get bulk. Mm, so you cool. send those 20 cards bulk. Um, Beckett, you need to put together 100 cards. And CGC, you need to put together 50 cards. CGC and PSA both have paid memberships. Um, with CGC, if you're going to send them a lot of stuff, pay for the highest tier membership. Uh, it'll save you money in the long run. PSA, buy the cheapest membership because it's not saving you any extra money anyways. Um, and then Beckett's no membership fee at all. Um, and that's kind of how we break it down. Um, order a lot of soft sleeves, order a lot of card saver ones right when they come out. I mean, like, uh, card saver one got their shipment into Columbia hobby in our state. Um, which is basically where they all come from for the whole country for cards everyone specifically. I know Ultra Pro has theirs too. Uh, just the other day, we bought 26,000 of them. We spent, I don't know, we spent $5,000 on cards saver ones because we knew we'll run out before we can get more again. Right. Um, so to kind of have that stuff in stock to send off. Um, but that's basically where I start. The nicest stuff PSA, second nicest stuff Beckett. And then send, you know, pick out of every pile a little bit to send to CGC just to get a little taste of how they're doing. Um, and they're, they're, they're ahead of schedule. 
CGC says they take a month. It takes three weeks right now. Oh, Beckett, nice. Beckett, two and five days on time. Everything else is taking 10 times as long as what it says. So if it said 60 days, it might be, you know, six months. Um, PSA, they kind of are telling you how long it takes, but nobody's proven that to me yet. They say nine months, but like like I said, there's new stuff being added every day. It could be two years by the time you get your stuff there. Um, wow. Wow. I'm not saying that's for sure, but I'm saying that that's, if they're 2 million cars behind and more people are still sending, they're going to be two, you know, they're going to be 2.5 million by the end of this quarter and then 3 million next quarter. So it's just, they know. are working three shifts there now though. So they are working oh, middle of the night. That's gosh. the, that's the one order we got was a middle of the night order. So we were, uh, <laughs> Uh, we, we I woke up because I was like, our what happened to our business account? It's down by thirty eight hundred dollars. I look and said, PSA card, new uh, <laughs> for me. So we signed on, and I called. We called each other at like two thirty in the morning and went through all these grades. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just so excited. So oh, that uh, is we thought we thought, oh, this is gonna start the floodgates. We're gonna get all our orders back. Mm-hmm. We even had a, a, an inkling, and that was a month and a half ago. We even had a, a single sniff of another order since. So. Oh, it was just man. kind of a fluke. I know. Just a little teaser from them. Thanks a lot, PSA. Something to hold you over for <laughs> yeah. the rest of the wait. Oh, that that's gonna be so awesome. When when it comes, it's gonna hit really, really nice. Um so then question for PAX. Um I you know, me personally, I've never tried I you know, I, I probably should do some more research on this, I think. Um I've never really graded a pack. I've only had one pack ever, and I wish I hadn't sold it. But obviously, you know, lesson learned. It's still good. Like, I still came out winning. Um, But when it comes to packs, A, how do you kind of go about grading those before you send them in? And then B, your rule about if it's minty, go with PSA. If it's not BGS, is there there a rule that kind of uh, uh, supersedes that rule when it comes to packs? Well, with PAX, PSA is the only one grading them right now. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. You're going to send it to PSA. There's no faster way to send it. So it's like, it's it's $20. There's no, like, I can send it fast if it's a first edition pack and get it back sooner or anything like that. So basically, it just comes down to how nice does it look. It it appears, there any scratches, stuff like that, you know, just kind of overlook it. Um, mm-hmm. I've never seen a pack graded, but you know, if, if somebody sent it there, it's an eight, nine or 10, 99% of the time. That's basically all of them are eight, nines and tens. My, yeah, I never my seen friend, lower than an eight. That's not vintage vintage. Yeah. yeah. My, my friend swears by it that he gets tens on everything regardless. Uh, I've seen so many packs. tens. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's just because they're being fair. If you open the booster box and it's a minty pack, just send it to him. We put it in a, a graded card bag and we put a card saver one on each side. And then we put that with the other packs in the box that card saver ones come in and we send about 50 of them at a time. Ooh, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, so then when it comes to sending the cards, uh, you guys, so you said you guys use card savers. You don't use top loaders when you ship it out to them. No, you prefer the same request specifically that it's in a card saver one or ultra pro rigid card sleeve. Um, and that's where, like, these middlemen come in handy. If you don't have the time or the want to to soft sleeve and, and card saver one your own stuff, I know some of those guys do that for you. But mm-hmm. that's not just, like, we want to do it. It's a requirement. Um, CGC is a little more flexible on it. Beckett, if you're doing a hand drop-off, is more flexible with it. Um, 
But other than that, yeah, it, it has to be done that way. Like PSA will just ship it back to you. Mm, okay. I mean, that, That's good to know. simply require it, unless it's a pack, you know, obviously it can't be in a card saver one. But um, if you're sending cards in, you know, using a card saver one or, or a rigid card holder, whatever Ultra Pro calls it, um, it it's, it's required basically. Mm, yeah, they don't want something to come back. They, they don't want damage in the shipping process, I'm sure, because then people are going to blame them. Yeah, you're going to blame them at the end of the day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and considering the fact that you said that PSA is a publicly traded company, it sounds like we should probably also buy stock yeah. for PSA. Uh, so back in March, <laughs> I considered it. It was at like 16 or $17 a share because all the, all the shares went down. Mm-hmm. It's over 60 now, so you would have been at four times your money. I mean, they, they Quarter after quarter are reporting their highest quarter of sales ever. Right. Um, and they're produced and they're kicking out the most grading grades they've ever done. It's just that the demand is just so high for their service that they can't keep up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the problem is like guys who'd be qualified to grade are like me and Travis. Uh, we don't want to work for them because we rather do our own thing. So right. like the guys who are, who are who are qualified to do this are all out doing our own thing. Um, so they, they can't they can't find the talent they need uh, to do the, enough grading at a fast speed to get it done. So they're just kind of relying on what they got. And so um, they're doing it as fast as they can, I'm sure. And, and they're working hard and they're, they're trying to improve their processes. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's one of those things where if there's just too much work to do, some some stuff's going to get pushed to the back burner and that's going to be the stuff that's sent bulk. Um, and that's the stuff that they're going to grade last. Right. Um, so it is, it is what it is. It's, it's the market we do. It's the market we're in. So that's kind of how, how, uh, how we got to go forward just based on that feeling that like PSA, you're not really going to ever get your stuff. If you just think you're never going to get it, that's, that's probably the safest play. Cause then, then you'll you be surprised one day. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's, that's awesome. So then do you guys have any tips on people kind of grading their stuff for the first time? Um, I think, uh, I think a lot of people send their stuff to PSA thinking, well, it's pretty nice. Um, and then they get a six back, they get a five back, they get a four back. Mm-hmm. Pretty nice does not cut it for PSA. Right. If it's pretty nice, send it to Beckett. Because Beckett grades a trading card based on it with something that was supposed to be played with. So, like, they're mad. Cool. If you've seen magic graded cards, like uh-huh. a, a six or a seven is like a card that was played with. Um, right. You know, it, it's in good shape for something that was meant to be played with, whereas sports cards, they grade based on it was never meant to be played with. It was meant to be collected. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's like it's like there's a grain of salt. I don't want to say that they're easy on the grading because they're not. They're grading because it's a trading card. It was right. something that was meant to be That's put different. in your deck and played with. So they're grading on a curve in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it, if it looks nice, but it's not perfect, I wouldn't send it to PSA. That, mm. That's that, that's my biggest recommendation. Um uh, CGC probably is even, they're hard, but I'm guessing it'd be pretty hard to get down into the, the one, twos, threes, and fours from CGC or, or Beckett, you know, a card has to have some severe damage, um, to get down into those low grades because they're trading card grading companies. Whereas PSA is a sports card authentic mm-hmm. authentication service, grading Pokemon cards, Beckett and CGC do, I would say as much, if not more between the two of them trading cards than they do sports cards. So yeah. it's kind of that balance of who's looking at your cards. Um, you're, if, if it has any damage at all, you know, a nick, a scratch in the foil, I wouldn't send it to PSA. I'd send it to, to those other companies. 
to BGS or CGC. Yeah, B- BGS or CGC or, or you know, there, like I said, there's other companies we use, GMAs, uh, you know, BSG. There, You can reach out to smaller companies that'll do it that are, you know, if you just want to encapsulate it and you're going to keep it, who mm-hmm. cares what the what the label says? You know, you, it's, it's just trying to secure your piece of art, you know. So, yeah, in, in that regard too, GMA is really uh, underappreciated. I think they're doing a. Uh, they it, they had such a bad reputation from sports cards from ten years ago, and basically they were, it, it's people thought they were just slapping tens on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they've definitely since the markets changed here earlier this year, they're they're trying their best to grade the cards. Like I, I we send in these cards now, and, and their grade their grading is tough, if not tougher than Beckett. Um, so you're gonna yeah. get a legit a legitimately graded card if you send it to gma uh, and for the price like you're you know you're at the eight dollar a card range for grading at a, and and they're returning to you at a pretty fast pace mm-hmm. like the just that that uh that price point's just so good if you're just wanting to keep it yourself um and those hold value too on ebay i mean they're the, the good the cards usually speak for themselves and so like you know if you have a good card it doesn't really matter who it's graded by um it's it's the, it's all the, the cheaper stuff that you know, that's where like you get the Charmanders going from you know four dollars <laughs> to four hundred. Right. You know, as, where GMA it might be forty bucks, like it's ten times the price for the same grade. Um, you know, but you know, for the stuff you're going to keep or the stuff that where the card speaks for itself, I think they're a great option. You know, and when I was on your proxy and kind of just looking at your listings and what you had, you guys had a whole collection of some GMA. I think they were nines possibly yeah. and and as far as the pricing goes i mean i know you know the auctions weren't over at the time and i didn't like specifically like itemize each one and look at the values and compare it to like a psa but the values for those cards still seemed pretty reasonable or at least it was going to go to, to kind of match a little bit um the market for those i know there's some people like i guess maybe in the comic book world there there there's some people that think there's a premium on one over the other so the cbcs i think is what it's called yeah cbcs yeah versus the cgc some people think like there's a little bit of premium on one over the other but haven't really seen that to be the case at least for psa versus beckett yeah Um, Yeah. so when this all started when the pokemon craze started because i'm not a card guy like uh you know my whole life like i didn't collect cards dan got me into cards um when this stuff started going crazy there was almost the population for first edition hollows was so low um, from Beckett. I looked at it and I, I talked to Dan and, and Dan's a sports card guy and he's a card guy. So I said, no, nobody grades this stuff through Beckett. Don't grade it through Beckett. You know, like that's just like mm-hmm. the, the history of markets. You know what I mean? Is they just, you know, people say, well, that's not how it's been done. And and so I I said, you know, I kind of had been listening to some guys and, 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 you know, not necessarily guys that I listen to every day, but you know, when a bunch of new people jump into something, the old rules no longer apply. Right. So whereas PSA was the go-to, new people are going to say, well, I can save 10%, 5% by buying from this other company. It's the same card and it's slapped and it's certified and it's guaranteed. And they, they look past that, what silliness of PSA is up here. Let's only buy from PSA. That doesn't make any sense. People are like now looking at, let's just get the best deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's where, you know, I think once we started selling um our our higher graded um beckett stuff with pwcc people saw that it was bringing the same price like you just said and then they said well i'm just gonna send my stuff two day to beckett and get it graded instead of sending it to psa 
paying three, four, five times the price and waiting three or four weeks before it gets checked in and then still waiting the time it takes to get graded. Um, so it kind of set that, I don't know if we necessarily set that in motion, but I think uh, people like us set that in motion where we proved Beckett is, it, it, it's never going to bring the same price as PSA, but for how much less time and less money it costs, it's it's an optimal option for cards that are worth $1,000 plus. I think uh, overwhelmingly any cards that are being graded for now and the end of time, the cards that are $1,000 plus, 80, 90% of them are going to go to Beckett because they're, they're cheaper for the high-end stuff, they're faster, you know, guaranteed turnaround. You know, like if you send it in two days at PSA, it's going to take three weeks plus two days. If you send it to, to Beckett, it's going to take two days plus two days. It's going to take four days or a month, you know, I mean, that, and then so, you know, the stress of sending a $25,000 card and it being gone for a month or, or like what Leon Hart dealt with where it just gets lost because you're sending it, you have to send it USPS if you're mm-hmm. going to send a PSA. They only accept that. There's just so many different reasons that Beckett's taking a big part of that market. Um, And I think they're good reasons. I think uh, it's because things Beckett's doing right, not things that PSA is doing wrong, if that makes sense. I think PSA or Beckett overwhelmingly is doing more things right than they were before. And so they're getting more customers. Mm, Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. And now that I think about it, I've never seen a graded Black Lotus not be bgs right magic is is almost exclusively beckett um psa has tried to break into the market but like i mean i uh you know i i don't even have a psa magic pile like it just doesn't happen uh, i that's some of the stuff i would do would be like if i had collector's editions where it's square cut cards but like mm-hmm. beckett is just so much better on on the on the grading cards like they actually know what it is and uh they do a good job i mean they do a great job so um, yeah, we, we, we stumbled into some black lotuses in 2019, um, and oh we sent gosh. them all off to, yeah, we, we had a guy, a friend of ours bought a storage unit and there were four of them in there, mm-hmm. uh, two unlimited and two, uh, the collector's edition ones. And we were, we, we gave him, you know, he bought the storage unit for $500 and we ended up buying just the magic cards for, I think, 27 or 28,000. Uh, that was a, that was the biggest deal we had done at that time. Um, ever as it, it, it Travis and I's history, um, you know, but you know, we sent a, we we did a lot of research and we we realized that no one was grading magic with PSA, and so we've just we exclusively grade that stuff now with Beckett. Mm-hmm. So then, what's your magic collection looking like now? Uh, our current magic collection, um, we don't really have that much cool stuff. I mean, we we picked up a small collection um the other day where i graded a bunch of stuff with beckett a couple of drops to honey uh, from arabian nights you know that's the kind of stuff we're looking for and i think the stuff that's really reserve undervalued list. yeah, yeah reserve list type stuff um you know it, it's but like you know we we sold our our eight five lotus for twenty six thousand um earlier this year so that was pretty cool that's awesome um, but we but the, the thing i never see i never see beta dual lands uh-huh. um all these collections I've bought, I say I've bought, you know, I've bought beta moxes, beta black lotuses. You just don't see the beta dual lands, so I don't know where they are. I think it's a card that's like hoarded by somebody. That people are hoarding them, and and they just don't ever come on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's one of those cards where I'd love to get my hands on some beta dual lands because I love the dual lands. I think that that you know, I I grew up, I played it because I'm uh, in nineteen. I, so Wizards of the Coast is basically located where in our area. 
Um, so magic was huge here when mm-hmm. I was well, growing up. So when I, I moved to Washington State from Minnesota uh, when I was in eighth grade. So that was in 1994, a year after magic started, basically. So I remember buying revised packs, you know, for two, three bucks and cracking them out. So I was right in the imagine? right in the right in that range, right in that mm-hmm. age range where we had all that stuff. You know, I we saw beta black lotuses for $300 and I was like, Holy cow, $300 for a magic card. Who would think, <laughs> whoever think to buy of that? Oh, They're crazy. Man. So you guys are crazy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> well, so, but for magic, we just don't have a lot of it around right now. We, we try to get it, but the problem is like, it's kind of all been absorbed in collections. So there's not like this, like with Pokemon where, you know, a guy just bought it all and sat on it and didn't do anything with it. There's not a lot of that in Magic. I mean, you find those deals occasionally, but, like, they're so few and far between. Um, yeah. This summer, we were, when I was going to these shops this summer, I'd go into these comic shops or card shops or, trade, you know, gaming stores, whatever you want to call them. You know, there's just tons of different places we stopped. Um, I'd go in there and I'd say, you know, what do you want for your whole display case of Pokemon, right? And then they would say, you know, $1,800. And there's a couple Charizards in there. There's a couple, nice. you know, maybe for a fishing card or two. And I'd say, yes, you know, like it, I, if somebody had Pokemon, we left their establishment with all the Pokemon because we believed in it going up at a rapid rate before most people were on this train. So like I, you know, in June, as early as June, we were like, hey, this is going to get big right now. So we were mm-hmm. buying it in those kind of quantities. But I do the same thing with Magic, and it was a different story. I'd say, you know, how much for those 10 dual lands? And they, they'd pull out their TCG player and say, well, this one, the lowest comp is this, so I can sell it to you for that. And that. So it, it, I think the, the, the store owners kind of come into it. They were willing to get really good deals below market rate on Pokemon, but Magic is, has, is, is such a staple and been around for so long that they didn't need to give any discounts. So it's much harder for us to get. Or if a, a collection comes into the store – the guys know enough people that will pay them full price that so they're not going to even give us a 10% discount. You know, we are running a business here. I can't pay full price for items. So right. uh, it, 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 it's kind of a bit harder commodity. And Pokemon will get to be that way too. As Pokemon, you know, like if you look at base Unlimited Charizard, we've, we've bought thousands of them over the last three years, um, all for under $300. And now I can't find a single one for under $300. Um, so it's gonna, it kind of just balances out the same way where they just say, um, you know, the, the card shops will go, I don't need to sell this for any kind of discount because the demand is so high. So right. magic is not that way though. The demand at magic is, is even still just as high as Pokemon with Pokemon in a full craze boom. Magic is always going to be high and always has been high. Yeah. Yeah, the magic market is really interesting because A, it seems like the collectors and the investors are, are a little bit different, operate a little bit differently than Pokemon. So uh, that's been really interesting to see. And I mean, of course, it makes sense for you guys because like what you said in the beginning, you want to ride the wave of Pokemon. Like that that's just where the money is going, where the market is going. It, it totally makes sense. I know some guys in the magic world, they do see at some point in time in the near future that... Uh, Magic, again, will kind of do a little bit of an uptick, kind of like how Pokemon is doing right now. So this is so if you can find things that are pretty reasonable, like buy buy what you got. Like, for example, just recently I picked up a sealed uh, booster box of uh, Origins because there are these like kind of Bronze Age, you know, boosters that 
will probably appreciate in value. Like right now, they seem a little bit undervalued, like the like the uh, Masters 19, um, the, um, gosh, the Origins that I just bought. Um, I mean, which is probably why, I mean, it's not a Bronze Age, but uh, the Winter, the, the Weatherlight and then the Exodus, um, a little bit undervalued from what other people have been saying. So um, it, it's, I mean you know, magic is gonna continue to just grow just like Pokemon. And I think there's a lot that Pokemon investors can learn from magic because they start a little bit earlier and those trends, uh, there are those lessons there. So, um, yeah. And the great stuff's always going to be great. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, even if there's like, you know, some, some, uh, softening of the market with some of the like stuff, like, I don't know, for example, royal assassins and nightmares and magic right it was a huge card when it, in 93 like they were like the same price basically as like dual lands and stuff but that great stuff really separated itself and never has gone down mm -hmm. you know black lotuses have been a continual uptick for the last 25 years mm -hmm. um same 100%. with dual lands and same with moxes um the other stuff is fluctuates based on you know based on play and based on a lot of other standards, but that, that high end stuff just never goes down. I think it's going to be the same way with Pokemon, like the great stuff, the po the Charizard, Charizards, the Venusaurs, the Blastoises and the Pikachus. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're ever going to go down. I think they're going to be on a steady climb. You might see some, some drawback of stuff like, you know, uh, Gyarados first editions or Zapdos, you know, selling a Zapdos for us, a Zapdos first edition. We sold for $12,000 in July. That just doesn't seem like it, it's it's can stabilize itself, but maybe that's the floor now. I mean, maybe that's mm -hmm. just where this is all going. But I think that great stuff, that high end, the 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 Blastoise, the Venusaur, the Charizard. I don't think they're ever going to go down. I think they're going to be in a continual growth based on uh, just demand forever. Um, mm -hmm. So that at least that's what my hope is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm sure everyone else putting all that, all the major bucks into it, they they feel the same way. But I mean, even yeah. bringing it back, like not even lessons to learn to be learned from magic, but also the lessons to be learned from sports cards. I mean, like what you're saying, the vintage staples are just continue are going to grow continuously, and maybe I don't know. I wonder if we'll see maybe less vintage sports cards because now that they're aging so much more i mean you're looking at cards that are are older you know what 30 years or more older like you at this point you want to just make sure that you keep them in the best condition you can sure sure and like in, in sports it's the same way that you know stuff like mickey mantles have never gone down mm -hmm. in my entire lifetime you know there's never been a spot where it's like oh you know there's a little bit of a Not dip in the sure mickey mantle market <laughs> i just don't feel like mickey mantles have ever gone down you know mm -hmm. so it's like you know, those, those those elite things, the elite things of Roberto Clemente, Hank mm -hmm. Aaron, Willie Mays, um, you know, for, for football, Tom Brady's, the stuff just isn't going to go down. Um, you know, the stuff that goes down is the guys that are, are can be forgotten. You know, and I feel bad for saying that, but, you know, kind of the minor tier players like the, you know, everyone, no one really thinks about, let's see, who's, who's a great example here. You know, Alex Smith, for the he's at the Redskins now. But uh, he was the number one pick in 2005. He had all this hype. You know, he got he got his team to a Super Bowl, but he's been kind of an average quarterback for his whole career. So his prices have kind of dwindled. You know, where the guy drafted 24 spots later, Aaron Rodgers had seen nothing but growth because um, you know, he's played 
maintain a consistent super super uh, superstar level his whole career and he he just won't dip he'll go into the hall of fame you know he'll always be he's a legend you know he'll always mm-hmm. be that kind of legend and that's the same thing with Poke, pokemon or, or or magic you know charizard is a, is the legend of of pokemon he'll never go down you know um black lotus and moxes are the legends of, of magic those things will never go down you know it's it's that second tier that you just have to worry about but that's where there's money to be made on that stuff too you know you just have to be like i said you have to be buying it right getting it into it where you can't have a loss and then you know taking a guess at what's the height of the market or or just feeling good about where the market price is and what's your level your what's your threshold for pain mm-hmm. you know if you want to sell something for a small profit um, like I think you mentioned on one of your other podcasts, the, the uh, unlimited booster pack you had, you sold it for a profit, but you know, your threshold for pain now, knowing that that's a $1,500 pack now, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where you sold it when you sold it, you sold it for a great price. That was the price. And, and that's what it was. But, you know, Travis selling a, a, a base set first edition box that he had found at a swap meet for $7,000, knowing now it's a $350,000 box. You know, Travis's threshold for pain is pretty high. He actually doesn't care because um, he sold it for market price and sold it to a friend who now works for us, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, he, That's awesome. He, uh, yeah, he's he's a good guy. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's just what's your what's your kind of your goal and how much money do you need to make on these things? And if that's even your goal, you know, for me, it's my goal because that's currently my business. Mm-hmm. But when I build, you know, I, I build a 1970 tops football set for $50, you know, my goal wasn't to make a bunch of money and sell it. And I think I ended up selling the set for 250 bucks or 200 bucks, but it wasn't about the profit for me. It, for me, it was about that challenge of the build and just the excitement that the hobby brought. So it's just all about what an individual person's goals are. So. Mm-hmm. And depending on, you know, like what you're saying, the kind of collector you are, if your number one goal is to find stuff that you really, really like, it's hard to lose. Yeah. It's really hard exactly. to lose. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I spend way too many nights at one o'clock in the morning looking at eBay auctions to see if there's any good deals because it's 4 a.m. in the in the East Coast and 4 a.m. is the time that no one's on eBay. So, Gosh, you know, that, that that's a you're in a good spot. You're in a good spot for that. And I bet like with all of your, like, I bet you've maxed out all of the listings that you could probably watch or save. Uh, I think yeah. there's a, there's a cap. Um, yeah. And, and we, you know, we, yeah, yes, we, we definitely <laughs> max those things out. You know, we, we try to like, and we've pared it down a lot lately. Um, but at the beginning of the whole pandemic, we had no idea how we were going to get inventory for our auction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a there's a statewide closure uh, in our state, so we couldn't even have customers come in to pick up their stuff or have customers come in to consign. So Travis and I were spending 16 hours a day each on eBay, wow. just trying to get enough stuff to keep our auction going. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what led to Travis driving around the country is like, well, we we can find enough stuff on eBay to keep it going. Let's go out now and find some good deals. Mm. Um, so that's kind of what led to that, but. It's going to be really interesting to see how the market changes as things kind of hopefully open up next next spring um, to back to getting to kind of a return to normalcy. It's going to be really interesting to see how the market reacts to that. So mm-hmm. cause a lot of these dealers, I mean, you know, I've I worked for two old school sports car dealers, you know, the, the old curmudgeon types, and <laughs> they get set in their ways where. You know, they see this market price of for Zion Williamson, you know, Zion Williamson at 
prism PSA 10 prisms that selling for $650 and now they're back down to, you know, the 400 range. Well, they get set in their ways that they can't not sell that Zion Williamson because for 625, because that's how high it had gotten, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they aren't willing to kind of adjust with the market. Um, And so that's when they end up with having stale inventory, you know, and that's where businesses kind of start to hurt is when they are not able to kind of flow with the market. Um, So Mm -hmm. hopefully in the future, everything opens up, everybody's happy, makes a bunch of money, has good deals and can collect whatever they want. Mm, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'm with that. And I guess like, oh, I guess it's like the uh, last question I kind of wanted to leave us at. Like you guys have obviously made it a business. You guys are paying your bills doing this. Like that's really, really awesome. Um, To anyone out there that might be wanting to do something similar or on a smaller scale just because they love it, like what tips do you have? My biggest tip is, is spend all the money all the time. Mm-hmm. It's, I think that's the number one. Uh, if you're not, you know, so many people that I know in this business is like they want to have this this cushion instead of having items. Um, mm-hmm. They want to have this, you know, whatever their cushion is. Our threshold's very low. The account can be anywhere above one dollar, and I'm happy. Um, <laughs> if there's good stuff to buy out there that's worth more than the money, it in a business sense, makes no sense to not own it. Um, Not only that, but those things you're buying, you're usually buying because you think they're even going up further. So you're buying them at a good deal. They're going up further. And what overwhelmingly happens with money since the beginning of time is it becomes worth less. Mm -hmm. Um, We we took, you know, uh, a chunk of money we had. um, I don't know what it was um in march maybe it was a hundred thousand dollars worth of you know business liquidity and we we invested it and reinvested it and reinvested it week after week after week after week to to have we still have that amount of money but we also have fifteen thousand really really good cards at psa we have uh, thousands of cards at beckett we have you know i have in front of me probably two three four thousand graded cards sitting on my front counter right now god that's Um, awesome Take a picture. That's awesome. (laughs) Spend the money constantly. Don't worry about because you own the items. Items are so easy to sell for what you what you thought was a good price. You can they're they're liquid. You can sell them anytime you need to. Um, Spend the money. Reinvest the money. Um, Don't take a lot of money for yourself. Um, Take the bare minimum um, until you feel like you've arrived. You know, obviously we don't anticipate making what we're making now forever. you know, there, there's going to be chunks of money we take for ourselves because we, yeah. you know, I need to buy a house. We worked hard. But we've never yeah. taken a single dollar. We take our, our normal person's salary. And other than that, we've never taken a single dollar. We take every dollar we reinvest in stuff. Um, and it, it's 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 been hard for me because I'm a I'm a more conservative kind of saver type person. Uh, but I, I I'm on board now. Like I, I I'm fine. We spend every dollar we can that we don't have to give to an employee or to our rent. Um, we spend every single dollar because um, it's just like it's just you know getting increasing increasing your stuff like you buy stuff and then you can buy a little bit better stuff and a little bit better stuff and all of a sudden you you eventually one day you get off the merry ground and in theory you have a bunch of money or you have a bunch of really cool stuff and I'm okay with either at this point as long as like I can pay my bills and make sure that all my employees are paid um, I'm happy just you know having either a bunch of money at the end or a bunch of really really cool stuff and. Yeah, at this point, we're we're we every day we're like, well, maybe we shouldn't sell any of this stuff. Maybe we should just keep a bunch for ourselves. It's like <laughs> kind of holds. It's like, well, 
Yeah, but yeah. right now it's like, well, we still have bills to pay, and, and Travis still, you know, he's Travis is young. He still wants to buy a house and you know do all those fun things. Mm. You know, I'm old. I've got my house. I, you know, I I've done all those things. But now Travis needs to have his time in life. So, oh, um, yeah. Well, you know, it sounds like what you guys are saying too is that instead of having the cushion, quote unquote, in cash that doesn't appreciate in value and if anything goes down because of inflation have the cushion and product that will potentially appreciate because like you said you can always move things you can always liquidate what you need to for yeah find stuff you believe in and 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 just invest in it and go for it because like yeah because like there's no there's no real savings accounts anymore that pay out good interest oh yeah it's terrible you might as well you might as well just go, you know, buy a first edition Charizard instead of having a savings account. Is kind of my feeling. Um, you know, I'd rather have a, a case of Hidden Fate sitting in my closet than have the, uh, you know, six hundred bucks it cost me. You know, at the time, even if it had gone down a little, I still rather have the items and know that like I can sit there and sit on it and sell it at any time. I could sell it today for, well, today is obviously it's a, it would have been a good profit, but even if it had gone down a little bit. I still had fun knowing I owned it and having taken the chance of something that went up a little than not having taken that chance at all. I would rather take a little bit of a, a risk, but I'm, you know, I'm a gambler at heart and uh, I love this stuff. And, uh, I, I was uh, listening to this podcast maybe a week or two ago uh, about a cryptocurrency guy in, re- in relation to Pokemon. And he said, you didn't need to be a, a good investor, a smart guy. You didn't need to be heavily invested. If you had any kind of an exposure to cryptocurrency you got rich it didn't matter mm-hmm. if you thought you know i'm the smartest trader of cryptocurrency or i'm you know you made the worst decisions you could have been the worst decision cryptocurrency guy and you got rich and that's kind of how i feel pokemon i don't want to make everything sound like hey we're these geniuses that you know spent two million dollars on pokemon in the last six months um because we're like the top of the threshold like i don't know if there's more anybody that spent much more than we spent in the last six months on Pokemon. Um, there may be, uh, but the, the guys that have are buying the really expensive stuff that are like investment type pieces. Mm-hmm. But as far as raw cards and sealed product, we I feel like we're we're, we're definitely up there. Um, but I don't want to make it sound like you know it it takes a genius or somebody that really knows the market. Anybody that had exposure to the last six months in Pokemon, any exposure, you know, you 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 spent a hundred dollars, you spent five hundred dollars, you made good money on your investments. And if you're spending money now, it's probably going to be the same thing where you make good money on your investment. So running a business right now, you don't need to have the, the most uh, good business sense. You really need to, if you believe in Pokemon, even bad business right now in Pokemon, if it continues to go up at even just an okay rate, we'll do fine. Um, so it's it's that exposure to it is, is most important. You know, you could be really bad at gauging. You could have overpaid for a PSA 9 Charizard in June at $9,000, right? And you still did fine. It's still worth 60000 now. So um, if you really believe in Pokemon and it's your passion, just jump in, get a business license. You don't need to quit your day job. Get a business license, start being able to write off your, your costs and then, you know, write, you know, pay on your profits. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, don't feel like you need to be an expert or really business mind, uh, if you really believe in Pokemon, just having the exposure to it's going to carry you far beyond far enough. Mm. Yeah, I, I I really really like that. And and to kind of piggyback off on what you're saying, I don't know that much about the stock market 
But what people have always said or told me, you are still better off investing in the in the stock market. Um, even when, even, even though like it's dipped like very, very deeply several times throughout it, you know, the hundred plus years that we've been doing it, um, you're still better off putting your money in the stock market, you know, overall in, in the long term, thinking about it, you know, over that hundred years. So like what you're saying, exposure, I, I think I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, so then gosh, like we've had such a good conversation. I'm going to email you guys so that we can set up another one because this was really good. And I think there's a lot of things that people can learn from hearing you guys talk because you are just in the weeds every single day, 16 hours a day. Um, so I guess what we could do is we can leave this off for now. So if you guys want to just let everybody know where they can find you, um, we can we can leave it at that. Sure. Yeah. We, uh, if you want to bid on Proxbit, that's our auction site. That's where I can start at a dollar. Um, we combine shipping that's goingtwice.com. Um, it's really easy cause they're all the same. So goingtwice.com for Proxbit, you go there, you bid on the items. We, we charge you cheap shipping. We ship you whatever you want. Um, you know, we're gonna charge you buyer's premium, but there's no going to be no extra taxes, you know, nothing like that. Not, not so much like eBay. Our eBay account is going twice underscore com. Um, we have auctions ending on there about five days a week, all graded cards, Pokemon, basketball, um, soccer, hockey, basically everything. Um, that's all 99 cents. Start with free shipping. Um, and then if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's going twice underscore com as well. Um, that's where we post pictures of our highest end slabs. So if I, you know, like last week I had a first edition uh, BGS 9 holo set. Uh, for Pokemon, um, I don't necessarily put that stuff on eBay. I don't really put that stuff on my auction as of right now, but I will sell it to somebody directly. Um, so if somebody would have said, hey, you know, I'll give you $120,000 for it, I would have gotten a plane. I would have flown it to you. We would have did the deal. So that <laughs> and you would have stayed at a Motel 6. A, yeah. You I stayed at a Motel 6 and yeah. got his cashier's check. <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome well, hey i i appreciate you guys i'm gonna put all the links in the show notes so you know i i love your instagram account by the way it's so nice so much i guess i don't know if travis i can say this pokemon for <laughs> exactly. travis does a very very good job with that <laughs> see self-manage i love it i love it well anyways thank you guys so much i appreciate it have a good night and uh i'll be reaching out for sure